show coming from the rec store Bet is packing and making a backflow Let's go chillin' with raccoons by the back door Take all so you can stake more All I wanna do is making door right But I found this crew and doing alright We wreck will bitch, ready to fight So many raccoons ready for the boss life I might fly high like a kite, right? But always ready for a shite for the right prize Raccoon supply has the right price Giving you respect if it's likewise So I'm buying all the mean guys with the clean heart Read between lies, laser bean through lean eyes Larry or with clean lies, trash mouth, mean smile Be wise, NFT wise, fuck with these guys It's the rack rap from the back lab 100 NFTs in my backpack Crazy rap back from the stash app Black will take a lead in this haystack It's the rap rap from the back Good morning, Rack FM, and it's 0800 AST, and what does the O stand for? Oh my god, Robo's hanging out, he's fucking up the day, pray for Robo. Anyway, it's uh, Friday, 31st of March, 2023, and this is your daily Cosmos Crypto US of A breakfast show, with your host, Robo, Mayor of Rackville, and your favourite pundits. And today on the panel, we've been joined by the wonderful B-Bands from the block. And put the token in the dough, Mr. Arnie himself. So B-Bands, how are you doing? Are you okay, darling? Yep, doing great, doing great. Getting ready for my day. Going to go to the gym in a little bit. Get the blood flowing so that my brain juices work good. But anyways, good morning. Did you see? Did you see a day or date? Day. Oh, getting I ready for I my day. Oh no, no, no! I I went out yesterday already. I had a date with my husband yesterday, but um, huh? we're going out to the gym today. Cheeky <laughs> little midweek day at night, eh? Yeah, it's nice. It's like I don't know. It's it, it's nice to go, like go on a Thursday and, and and there's not a lot of people out and stuff like that, and come back early because I'm old. You know, not have too much drinks and just I don't know, just relax. As you like together longer and longer, be bands. Does like the date nights become like more important than that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's weird. We will hang out all day together, and then we'll even go to the gym together, and then like we still want to go on dates. Aww. So I, we 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 must really like each other. Yeah, that's precious as hell. That's adorable. Well, you're saying that to her, but he might think she's like a GPS uh, anklet, you know, what they put on you when no, you're... No, there. no, 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 <laughs> Listen, listen, no, 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 listen. It's my mother-in-law. Listen, my mother-in-law, she has a, a, a 360 thing app, and all she has requested all of the fa- family members to, like, log on to this app so she can, like, see where everybody is, like, all the time. And I was like, even she knows where anybody in the family is, except for me and Andrew, because we were like, we're not doing that. We don't need a tracking device. Um, We love you. We know that you get nervous and you're worried about our health and stuff like that. But um, you're not going to be able to save me if you're tracking me. And I'm in like fucking three states away. So um, that's that. (laughs) But she's so sweet. I love her so much. I've never heard of that mind uh, coming up with like a, a, a tracking thing for the family. I mean, people might do it for their kids or something, but not when he's a grown man. Andrew's a grown man, you know? Oh, no. My, my sister-in-law gladly does it. She loves it. She's like, oh, she's like, I wonder where mom is. And, and then she'll like pull up the phone. She's like, oh, she's she'll be here in like two minutes. And then she'll be like, I wonder where my man is. And then she'll like, oh, OK, he's at that. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to tell you that it's really unhealthy. And I'm like creeped out right now. I'm so glad you don't know where I'm at. 
do you know do you know what I didn't like? I didn't like when we moved in this house and uh, the wife got all the CCTV cameras put up everywhere. And fucking she, she's away. She's away and she's like, are you sitting out in the garden drinking again, are you? And I'm like, yeah. So I unplugged them, right? She went fucking mental. She came back. She lost her shit completely. Like, I was like, ooh. Bro, how funny is that? You leave the UK, but you end up in the fucking CCTV state anyway at home. How funny is that? Bro, the ties. Every fucking tie wants the CC, uh, CCTV, remote access shit going on over here, man. The mental, they're really bad for it, you know? Proper, like, paranoid to death about their houses. But I also think, like, they're just fucking nosy as well, you know? I think you're right, man. I have, I have a friend, he does the same with his kids. So he, sit, he sits at a, at a cafe and then he watches his kids and he tells them over the microphone to do their homework. He just enjoys the power too much. Oh, that's no good. Do you know what, though? It's the new American dream, right? It, it's to have a place where you can hang a ring doorbell. It's not to own a house. It's to be able to get an apartment or rent a house where you can hang a ring doorbell and then feel like an elite cyber lord because you know when the packages are being delivered and stuff, right? Like... It, oh, I, I hate how common this is in culture right now, especially with the, the laws and stuff going down in the US, the, the ridiculous VPN law that was proposed. But it's funny, right? It's like we all going like we don't wanna be we don't wanna be surveilled, we won't, don't wanna be watched over by Big Brother, but then we all set up these fucking CCTV so we can watch over each other. I don't know. No, you listen, need a disclaimer for that all. Go ahead, B-Bank. Shelton, you, you just said something that I want to kind of circle back to. You said that they're per, they're doing a VPN law. They're trying to pass a VPN law. What was that? that yeah, you it's called saying? the Restrict Act. It? It's called the Restrict Act. Yeah. So can you it's, tell me a little bit? Um, I'm not going to lie. My brain's shorting out. Let me pull it up and get it back to you in about a minute and 30 seconds. Yeah, okay, it's, there's a good breakdown, B-Bands, on the Mises Caucus uh, page on Twitter. Go to the Mises Caucus. M M I S I S Mises. Oh, sorry, M I S U S. I think it is Mises Caucus. They've got a, a M- really M O U K U I M O M M I M I S K U I. What was that? Stop taking the piss, you. M U S. I believe it is. They've just. I retweeted it the other day. They've just released like. Some shit about it. I mean, it's an assault on freedom, you know. Yeah. Yep. It's a proper I gotta go to the c- computer right now. Hold on. But the the American government, they know something about freedom. I think the the only government in the world that can exercise stuff like that because they're the freedom experts. So I think I think it's okay. You sound like the majority of Americans I've talked to in the past 10 years are trying to radicalize people into data privacy. <laughs> like I, like you were saying, I don't have a ring. I don't have anything that surveils me like that. I turn off location services for everything. Yeah, the Restrict Act was was a... Right, uh, so we've got... Obviously, we said we had... Oh, Robo's getting rocked, man. A healthy... Yeah, well, we're going to give Sheldon you... Sheldon was talking, I don't think... We're going to give you a very healthy uh, raccoon welcoming. So, without further ado, let's go over to the man of the moment. He's uh, he's making some waves in the industry right now. He is Sheldon, my friend. Welcome to Rack FM, sir. Your first like official appearance here. <laughs> I'm I'm making waves, but I was trying to come here and 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 hitch my boat up to the dock. Yeah, it's uh. It's funny. I came to Bali to do less, to calm down, to focus on my health. I'm happy that I'm here to focus on my health, but boy, there is so much more cool stuff to do. We're we're looking at launching an IAS platform. I'm looking at building a data center next week. Like 
there's 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 way more going down than there was beforehand and that includes web3 but also locally here in bali and also outside of web3 in other technology spaces not just ai but also radio communications and a whole bunch of other things like man the world has been on fire for the past two weeks i put, i picked a weird time to go on a, a, a attempted vacation and fail <laughs> You know, the the one thing I was going to ask you, Sheldon, is it a case of like, you know, you've been to Bali before, you've been to Asian Bali, it's your favourite. Uh, just out of nope. curiosity, why Bali of all places? Now, I do know they've got a very good uh, blockchain community in Indonesia, a lot of devs, right? It's very popular over there, yeah. But why particularly like Bali? What stood out for you? So... Truth be told, the majority of tech sector in Indonesia is in Jakarta, where there are better fiber connections. Bali is not terrible as far as, you know, relatively small islands go for fiber connections and Internet. But Bali is a better balance of, um, let's say, uh, non-commercial life and some sort of commercial life. That's what I was looking for is to come here and unplug for a bit. My initial plan was only to hang out in Bali for two weeks, maybe three, you know, see how I like it, blah, blah, blah. I really like it. Um, it's crazy, but I really like it. And the plan was for me to move on to Jakarta and then to keep visiting other people in, in different places, including Eurobo. And I'm like, that's still the plan effectively, but there are things for me to get done locally that are making me think, is it advantageous for me to get an apartment here? I'm basically between getting an apartment here and one in Kuala Lumpur. I'm about to finish the scoping process here because I found that I can get a uh, basically prefab house, semi-prefab house for 160K new construction. So that's that's what I'm looking at is that does it make sense for me to stay here? Because I wanted a place where I could feel like I maybe wasn't on vacation all the time, but wasn't right in the middle of downtown Miami for the sake of operations. The same is going to be true out here. And I was kidding myself to think I could get away from this. You do need to show up in person to be valuable in different engagements. It is quite annoying, but it's true. Latency is lower IRL. So that's basically what I'm looking at is that, you know, will it be worth it for me to, you know, get an apartment? I think probably not. It's more likely that I'll rent a room or pay for some storage space in a friend's office or something like that, and then move on to Jakarta, spend some time there. And, uh, and keep going. I did actually find out that there was a unfortunate sort of uh, blending of different associations in Jakarta. There was a blockchain association started by a friend of mine there that was, I was really hoping to talk to. Um, I think I'll still get to interface with them, but they've been basically merged with a uh, series of centralized exchange businesses. So imagine, you know, developers that have cosmos grade attitudes mixing into a group that is sort of going to uh, uh, redirect to the incentives and uh, uh, motivations of centralized exchanges. That's that's quite bad, right? So all the more reason why I want to show up and see who I can talk to and see how much I can understand. But the truth is, I need to reverse engineer how Bali works a little bit before I make a move. I'm here learning how visas work, how um, uh, internet regulation here works. I'm, I'm reading through a contract that is a, a fiber relationship between a certain office and an ISP. Like I have work to do here in person, physically, realistically. I, I'm I'm so happy that I'm here first. If I had gone to Jakarta first, I'm sure I would have gone somewhere else by now. You know, I'm I'm not the guy who wants to live in New York. But anyway, um, enough about the personal stuff. From a crypto perspective, there is a community here in Bali. It is a little bit more on the trader side. So that's not really keeping me here at the moment to be fair i also haven't made it out to abud where there's supposed to be you know a little bit better uh, uh groups in that way I, I think that i'm going to end up moving on to jakarta for business sake but it's nice here man i, I like Uluwatu. I, I like a, a you know grassy beachy area tell me when you're going to jakarta and i'll say like a, a prayer for your soul okay <laughs> sure well I'm, I'm riding scooter out here so i can't be much more vulnerable than that i, I think i'll be okay <laughs> thank you bud
I've never heard, I've never heard anybody say a nice word about Jakarta. Never. And and my friend like lived there for like two and a half years and he, he says every time I talk to him, biggest shit all he's ever known, you know. And when it floods, when it floods, bro, you know, the, the floods, yeah, fucking hell, Sheldon, it's so bad, man. So bad. The floods, the traffic that can take days. I mean, it sounds like a lot of things that I'm going to be very, very uncomfortable with. But at the same time, everybody who I've talked to in Bali who has like sons, friends, daughters, peers in IT of some type, they end up going to Jakarta for work. It makes me think I'll find more crypto folk there that are, you know, developers well, that are own, thoughtful. Yeah. That's the only reason you're going there is just that there's far more people. Uh, do you know what's really weird? That they're they're actually they've signed off on it. Joko, their president, signed off on it. They're actually uh, relocating the entire Jakarta, capital of Jakarta, or certainly all of the administration, etc. And they're actually going to move the capital over to uh, Borneo, to the Indonesian part of Borneo. Do you know about that, Sheldon? What? No. I'm t- right. Basically, they've got, I think it's like this 10-year plan, right? And they're going to move something like 1.5 million people, all of the uh, admin buildings for the government, the government itself, parliament, everything's going to be on Borneo. There's a really good documentary about how long they've taken for the, the planning because Jakarta's sinking at a terrible rate. Have you seen the houses collapsing and stuff there, yeah? I've heard about that. I, I haven't dug into it too much, but oh, yeah, God. I've heard that it's like over capacity there, basically. Yeah, correct. So, like, what, what a lot of people don't know is about what Jakarta's like, or what's weird about it is it's like a real kind of, like, natural uh, floodplain, right? It's like the city is, like, kind of, like, below the outside, like, uh, water level, right? The actual main part of the city, like, it dips, doesn't it, in, like, a, in a floodplain, and the entire thing just, like, fills up, yeah? After that, they've taken all the groundwater out. I think it's, like, the, the fastest sinking city in the world right now or something. There is a lot of limestone here. That is uh, one of the things that I noticed is that the, the Visnu project, the GWK thing in Bali, that's like this, you know, one of the largest statues in the world, literally taller than the Statue of Liberty, similar uh, construction style, by the way. Um, that project took almost 40 years to come to fruition because they started planning it back when. And at some point there was economic downturn and they paused development. It's a really scary thought to think that Jakarta could have this plan in place because the city is sinking, because the island is physically over capacity, and then turn around and, you know, not have the funds for it for sustainability purposes. Like that's a, that's a, that sounds like a real possibility to me based on what you're saying. I need to do more research on this realistically, but yeah, Jakarta, I was only going for business. So if they're, if they want to keep doing business, then, Hey, uh, decentralize your, uh, uh, capital, I guess, you know, like de-risk it more like not even decentralized well, just there's been there's been i think like three or four examples in history where they've actually like totally not relocated like capitals like in that manner uh one of the one of the best ones was actually in uh burma which is now myanmar uh i forgot what the name of it is like uh shit, what's its name the capital uh basically it's the one where top gear were there where they were having like the on the like seven alien motorways and there was nobody there and they were just like racing around with their cars they they basically took the capital and just relocated it into right into the center of the country and there was just like nothing there and they've literally built up this capital city and it's huge and there's nobody there it's really fucking weird like it's just empty the entire thing it's it's amazing if you see it all these government buildings and that's like phenomenal but there's nobody there well, from a central planning perspective it's basically the olympics right that actually sounds pretty good like not to cut you off but hear me out for a second 
if your model is that you know every 10 to 30 years you're going to have to make a significant adjustment because of resources then just plan for that and be ready to turn over your old uh uh you know capital buildings into museums and housing and you know community organizations and stuff like that that doesn't sound so terrible to me i mean it sounds like a, a weird resource allocation to say hey we're gonna build these massive structures that are supposed to be for the leaders of our you know country and then move on to the next thing but also if you actually plan to do that more than once in, in succession you're not talking about temp buildings you're talking about temporary purposes right you, you would you would have to be making it make sense after the initial body uh you know who governs or who eats or who sleeps leaves it's, it sounds really interesting to me. It sounds like the kind of thing that I could never see in the States, but could actually work here. Well, before I pass you over to Baybans or Brucey, there, there is a question I did want to ask. I think you've been away, what, like a couple of weeks now, right? About two, three weeks, yeah? I think this is the third now. Yeah, I think this is three. Yeah. What are you missing the most from back home? Anything or nothing? Like, is it like a 3 a.m. Wendy's or what is it? I'm going to sound like such a dork. I miss my access to high grade and different varieties around the world of electronics. It's not nearly as good on the island of Bali. On, on Jakarta, it's supposed to be better, but still, um, there was a pair of Sennheiser headphones that I was like, oh, these are at every duty free shop. I'll be able to get these later. Nope, I'm still using my Jabber 85Hs from a few years ago, and I'm not liking them that much anymore. They're not bad, but they're kind of tired. So I, I wanted to get a very specific set of new headphones. I'm quite picky about that not really an option here i I've, I've gone to multiple malls and electronics retailers and specialists and some of them have similar products um, a lot of people on the street of course have fake versions but i'm not mad at the fakes that's like a regular economic thing everywhere you go with the street vendors i'm frustrated that it's going to be really hard for me to get enterprise gear here because like i said i'm serious about building an infrastructure as a service platform that takes real physical gear and it's probably going to be a little bit of a pain to get it in here like i, I know how to do that internationally but that's the thing. I, I miss my um, uh, shopability for electronics and, and network appliances and computers and stuff. Third, third world problems, right? Yeah. Third, I mean, we're, we're, we're right here next to where the, those devices are all produced. I thought it would be easier. Yeah. Come to Bangkok, you'll not have that problem. You can get what you want, son, you see? See, you picked the wrong place, didn't you? Yeah. Never mind. I'll come around. <laughs> B-Bands, Brucey, got anything on the uh, journey to Bali story or questions or what? Yeah, I, I want to hear how it's going with the with the scooter journey. If he's fitting in, or if he's still a fucking madman on the roads. Oh boy, um, let's see. Um, I guess I have had a um, what would you call it? Uh, a small oopsie, a non consequential oopsie, a, a a short stop that resulted in some plastic touching, but no metal parts, no sparks, no nobody hurt, nothing causing wrong. The main thing is just ankles. I keep whacking my ankles on the uh, on the stands, the little pegs that like the second rider is supposed to use and the foot stand and all this stuff. Like I'm I'm not used to scooters. So when I go to like, you know, do the waddle like you do in slow traffic between that and getting back on, I'm always knocking my ankles. So my, my left ankle especially is really bruised up. <laughs> it, it's fine. You know, I haven't cut myself or anything. But even if I had, I, I carry uh, antiseptic spray with me and then, you know, I'd keep moving. The uh, the scooter adventure, that's, that's probably how I would describe it to, to be concise. I could give a long ramble about some stuff, but uh, going up and down hills is uh, a little bit scary because I come from Florida man, flat boy land. So, um, yeah, the, the, the up and down hills has been a little bit scary. Um, getting used to the difference in traffic circles because traffic circles aren't just flowing 
uh, from the left instead of, you know, right. Like, you know, you drive on the right-hand side of the U.S., you drive on the left-hand side of Indonesia. It's not just that. It's the culture of don't stop, but don't wait too long and make sure you weasel in behind somebody else who's kind of speeding past you as they cut through the intersection. Sometimes it's been me. Like, honestly, traffic circles, I think, are, are the part that still scares me the most. But there is still two traffic circles that I enter and exit on a regular basis, and I haven't hit or hurt anybody yet except me. So I, I call that a win. Oh, that's perfect, man. Also, like I've I've given you a nickname. I don't know if you know it, but I think Scooter would be a really, really <laughs> appropriate nickname for you. No. <laughs> Does he Sheldon so going around in the big circle because he doesn't know which exit he has to take? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there goes Scooter. Like <laughs> fucking Pee Wee Herman or something. I'd like to what... about Scooter off the Muppets. You know, Scooter off the Muppets. <laughs> The no, no, I'm a Beaker guy. Be- Beaker's my Muppet. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck on that one for, for whatever reason. Oh, he's the one that's always getting like blown up and and, and, and experimented on and shit, right? Well, I mean, he's the mad scientist, so he's doing a lot of the experimenting, but also he's quite frequently does... the victim of that other scientist. Yeah, and he just well, freaks what's, out. What's the other Ooh. guy's name? He looks like a little, looks like a mole. I don't know what he. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know about the smaller one, but the the orange tublet with the, uh, uh, you know fuzzy orange hair sticking up way high that's 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 my guy that that guy describes the constant state of existential panic that my life actually uh, uh falls around but yeah from from a, a scooty perspective um i've had some weird nicknames in the past i was called turtle for a short period because somebody had named their turtle sheldon and thought it was hilarious i was like okay sure uh, we, we were stuck on a boat like literally you know what am i gonna say so the um and i was a kid i didn't really know how to uh, change that conversation or pivot that I, I I'll, I'll tolerate Scooter. I'm not, I'm not wearing that, uh, that, that name. I'm not, I'm not going to own that. I won't take agency into that, but I'm not rejecting it either because I have made a whole big deal about it. And um, yeah, people from, from, uh, from Indo are absolutely noticing that I'm the dumb American on the scooter. And I wear a really like loud outfit to make sure that people notice I'm, I'm wearing these like blue blocker, go over the glasses, sunglasses. I'm, I'm, I stick out on purpose, right? That's my technique is do you to have peacock a, a little bit. Do you bit. have a helmet? Do you have a helmet? Um, calling me out here. Okay, I have a helmet. It's been sitting in my hotel the whole time because the oh, first no, day that I wore it. No, I mean, I, everyone tells me I should be wearing it. It's stuff. against the law not to wear it. You, If you come to Indo and you're a tourist, please wear your helmet. You know, the Gojek guy will give you a helmet to wear. But the helmet infringes on my peripheral vision. And being someone with crap eyesight needing to communicate in a you know lawless anarchical road model I need my peripheral vision more than I no, need my yeah. head. No, what? No. Wait, don't, don't they have the kind that just goes on your head like a bicycle helmet? Like, you know, not the one that's like a pole. <laughs> no, but I definitely need some some uh, spinal protection if I'm going to be falling off of the thing at 30 kilometers an hour. I'm, I'm, there's a type of helmet that doesn't re- infringe on my periphery. I'm, I'm looking to buy one. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm supposed to be doing that this weekend. Thank you for the, thank you for the reminder, Mom. Yeah, right. we need to keep that lovely brain of yours intact so that... We, it can be used and, and it can save the world. Okay, Sheldon? I'm going to start a campaign. Save Keep scooter safe. Keep scooter safe. Can, uh, oh, terrible. Can, aha, very, very funny. Can the professional... Before, before, Robo, Robo, before we go... Wait a minute. Next, so, sorry, I'll just, I would just like to rem, remind Sheldon what happened with Eric the Neck Weissenden. If you go Google Eric the Neck Weissenden, you will only see our interview with him. So, Sheldon, just be prepared. What kind of threat is that? 
Where it's not a threat. It's a, it's a fact, bro. It's like, it's going to happen. Be ready. Okay. Well, I guess I'll put a shirt on and maybe pack a Thank lunch. You. Thank you. <laughs> Go ahead, hi, Zoe. Good morning. Oh, hi, Robo. Sorry. Yo. Oh. You should say hi, Zoe, or hi, Robo there. Anyway, a, a little um, of both. Let's do, let, I did a little bit of both, but I think Robo's rugging right now because I can't hear him at all. So, Zoe, okay. take the mic. Good morning. Thank you, Bans. Just uh, enjoying your... Uh... What are you breaking the rules of the Friday show for? What are you playing at? I left the room for two seconds and you break the rules that we've had in place for three months. What's going on, Bans? It's not 7th well, I want Zoe to be my friend, It's though. not 7th of April, is it? It's on next week. What are you bringing this bell in for? Zoe, <laughs> I'm not trying to get in trouble. Hey, what, you gonna have to kick me out or what? Oh, that would be awkward, wouldn't it? Don't do that. I won't kick That'd be you fucking out. awkward. That's on B-Bands' fucking shoulders now. It's uh, fucking uh, carnage just caused, no, hasn't she? You stay. You stay. <laughs> what kind of so idiot is that? <laughs> no, stay, bro. Stay it's cool. And I want to tell no, Sheldon, it's, Sheldon, it's good to see you, listen, I agree with you. The peripheral vision is a real thing. And B-Bands, you don't wear those open face helmets. That's how you break your jaw, right? Open face helmets are an absolute no-no. You've got to be a chad. You've got to buy something like a shark helmet. They're like probably like one of the best you can get, right? Uh, forgot the other brand, uh, shark and something else. I'll get the other brand name in a minute. Sheldon, you think that you've lost your peripheral vision and you haven't. You just need to get your head working more. Get, get that fucking blind spot checked like 80 times a minute, right? But trust me, when I first had a full face helmet on, dude, it was weird as fuck, right? Like driving around the street, streets, not like in the fields here, yeah? like when I was a kid, you know? Bro, you get used to it in like half an hour. Seriously, it's really easy to like get used to a full face helmet. All day, the first day, I wore it because I was terrified that I was going to fall and that I knew I needed to protect my noggin. And then I spent most of the day being annoying to other people who had to avoid me because. I would move a little bit and not have a good time seeing the mirror that was right in front of me, but also not seeing the side. Because when I'm looking at my mirrors and I'm actually just sitting and driving normally, I'm I'm really using part of my periphery. It's not quite that far over. My face is bigger than that. But yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm looking for the um, sort of like wide face still protects you helmet. I did not know to look for the brand shark. I will definitely look for that. I appreciate the tip, Robo. I, I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to die, but I am very careful. Oh, people, people seem really nice. You're like that's the main part of the anarchy. It's great anarchy. <laughs> Say again, bud. Give him a second. He's not feeling so well. I might have a little extra. Hey, up that's chunk. okay. Well, just just to, just to give you a quick story, one of the things that was really really interesting to me from a you know systematic structure perspective, there was one time where I was in traffic. I was pulling away from this office where I'm working. I, I do like anyone who's listening. I do not legally work in Bali right now. All my employment comes from funding outside the country. I just happen to be considering partnering with an entity who's here in Bali. This is recorded spaces, so there you go. I'm pulling away from this office where I've been spending some time, and all of a sudden I notice where normally I have like a wide open throttle to just go. Woo! across some like straightaway it's really clogged and other people are also surprised that it's really clogged and up ahead i see some people just kind of standing and i'm like oh what the hell what is this what does this look like what you know is there a street vendor stopped here what's happening one person a middle-aged gentleman who didn't look that old maybe 50s probably mid to late 40s had taken a fall and it looks like he had uh, sort of like worn through his jeans on the scrape. So his, his knee is bleeding a little bit 
And, you know, he, he had pants there before. Clearly, there's just, a, you know, a, a sort of like torn, ripped up spot. Now, the knee that you can see, even though I only saw it for a few seconds, was, you know, dirty and, you know, scraped up. He, he obviously took a fall and went down on that body part. And the rest of him wasn't in such great shape either. Now, the fact that his shirt was a little bit tore up makes me think that he was going a decent speed or that he hooked into somebody else. But the thing that really got me from a systematic perspective was everybody slowed down like we always do because it is truly anarchy and that you are communicating with everybody who is near you through body language through eye contact through staying in your lane in a certain position through you know trying to look like you're going to jump up on the sidewalk from glancing in your mirror etc from all of that stuff there is still a bunch of these delivery drivers gojek and grab seemingly unassociated with situation all you know all different companies just different guys that are like blocking the road to make sure there's a comfortable amount of space for this old man who's just sitting on the sidewalk. They literally interrupted traffic, segmenting off two or three feet, maybe uh, about a meter of the road so that there was less room for the bikes to scoot by the normal uh, traffic of cars. And in doing that, it, it caused this clump up. But it was it was really incredible to me that as soon as people realized that they were, um, you know, sort of like blocking the road to protect this guy who was clearly on the phone with a ambulance service or some other doctor that's going to help or something like that. You know, people didn't just not get annoyed. They, they feel like the, the, the vibe was feel bad a little bit, slow down, but don't fuck with traffic. Just keep going, go nice and slow in case somebody's standing or walking, just take it easy. Don't be a tourist. Like everybody is in Miami and slow down and take pictures of the accident because people do that. If you want to see what that looks like, go on Instagram and search only in Dade. That's really how that looks. But it was interesting to me because that's where I come from is that environment of only in date of the 305 of Miami and to see the polar opposite where people had no capital motivation to help this guy and probably lost money from not delivering orders during rush hour when there's a like sort of pay bump. But the delivery guys were protecting this just random middle aged guy and everyone was totally sympathetic with it. And that was the only thing close to an accident that I actually saw. It's it's weird how well it works. Like it is, it's, it's very, um, it's not mesh networky, but it's very like uh, broadcast networky. Like you're, you're broadcasting to the people around you that you are going to try to pass on the right side or that you are going to try to pass on the left side or that you're a slow tourist and you're scared and you're just going to ride behind this truck because you're too nervous to pass and it's not really safe. Like it is a really interesting dynamic. I'll leave it there. That's, you know, I'm, I'm rambling. It's the end of the story, but like, it's, it's really interesting how well it works for how chaotic it is. It's cultural. Robo, are you still with us? You didn't cough up a lung while we let you go, did you? You back, brother? Oh, bro, I've just been getting so badly rugged. Twitter's gone mental tonight, so I'm hanging on in so we don't lose Aye. the space. But uh, yeah, I was uh, just having a, a, a little cheeky spliff-like, and it's fucking so strong. Can can you uh, can you throw me co-host as well because I'm actually in your region. I don't think it'll necessarily make a difference, but from a redundancy perspective, I say worst case scenario, I'm about uh, 60 milliseconds of latency closer to you, if I'm not mistaken. Just making a okay. guess. Here, like, you know, there you go. I like it. Like bands like here in the Sheldon continental US. Bruce is in like uh, uh, actually Bruce, yep. where are you? I forget. Oh, yep. okay. I'm, well, in, then, yeah, I'm in Denmark. So yeah, I can just um, jump down. There's only allowed two co-host spots, so I'll just jump. Are down. you sure? I thought that you can have more than two co-host spots. Yeah, I, I did send them one, mine, Bruce. I did send them one, and it didn't say, like, you can't. So I don't know. Okay. It didn't say anything to me. Twitter spaces. Yeah. 
I don't see so, any pop up or anything. Anyway, Sheldon, can I just check something though, dude? Uh, have you have you left the uh, Octopus team now or not? Or are you still there? I have not left Octopus Network. I'm I'm happy to explain what happened because my role did change significantly. Um, I actually proposed to leave. Um, so last year, uh, close to the end of the year, I knew we were having some uh, problems that were internal and that we were working on. Um, some that we knew were not going to be insurmountable. So we were starting to look at downsizing and different things like that. So I was looking at getting a second job in near ecosystem or somewhere else um, to, to pay the bills and to, to make things make sense and, and to, to still keep advocating for the concepts that I signed up for. And um, what happened was, well, I was, what had happened was I was still looking for um, part-time work, augment work on the side when I had effectively taken too long. It was mid-December. And um, instead of uh, doing some weird uh, New Year's firing scandal, which I'm very grateful Lewis and the team decided not to do, um, what Lewis and leadership decided is that they would offer severance to the front end of the team uh, based on tenure. And I was one of the highest tenured. So um, I insisted that it wouldn't be ethical for me to accept severance and also to remain an employee because that kind of defeats the purpose of severance. But I knew that if I remained an employee, my pay would go down by 25%. And with my debts the way that they were and my costs the way that they were, that, that wasn't a, a great fit for me in Miami. Miami is a very expensive place. At the time, I wasn't really factoring in something like moving to Bali. But that was roughly the, the target was, okay, it doesn't necessarily make sense for me to have this as an almost full-time job and then try to transition into side gigs. I should just let this be my um, sort of main side gig while I start working on decentralizing my revenue. And I know that sounds like an absolute ham, but that's the most concise way I can describe it. And it has worked out tremendously well. So effectively, I reduced my pay by 75% in an agreement with Lewis, which I'm very grateful that he honored in a timely manner so that I could keep my bills running and everything would stay smooth. And I, uh, I'm now semi-external to the organization, which means that I still have access to everything internal that I had access to, do, uh, access to before, uh, including some admin per- permissions because they trust me not to um, abuse or misuse those. but as technical advisor, it is not my role to do the community moderation, to do the marketing engagement, to do the same things that I did before. As technical advisor, I am still the only representative for Octopus Network in the West, besides Aaron, who occasionally goes to Europe, though he does spend most of his time in Dubai, where he lives. So to that end, my point was, if I'm going to leave Octopus Network uh, completely, I knew that it was going to be quite damaging, and I had hoped that there was a solution to make that make sense. Lewis, I think, came to the conclusion that it was more worthwhile to keep someone who understands the solution, who understands what we do, who's, yes, able to talk about Octopus in a promotional fashion, but also able to communicate with people about it from a technical perspective. Because realistically, uh, media lead Vivi Lin has moved to New York. I'm very happy for her. Really excellent move. I'm sure that she's going to do just fine on the media side, but that means that there would be no one in the West on the technical side which is amusing as hell now that I have moved out of the continental US. But what exactly, what exactly does yeah. that involve being a like, technical advisor? Is this like a, like a consultancy basis or what? And what exactly do you advise on when you're advising? So um, I do still um, do some sort of like community stuff. Like when there were some challenging and, and odd questions to the Octopus Network Twitter account earlier, I literally educated our uh, social media lead on what certain things are like Merkle Mountain Range and stuff like that. So um, I am still acting as a very, very internal member, 
but I am external to all executive functions and I don't supervise conversations anymore. You know, there used to be multiple chats that I would see details about what we were doing that were not directly relevant to me, but their indirect relevance was really useful for operations. So being a um, person who is sort of like at leadership level, operating at leadership level, I had a lot of stuff that needed to get done. Um, I did not have a lot of executive power and I thought that was perfectly fine given my, you know, sort of uh, uh, commitment and um, agreements and disagreements with the project. So the technical advisor role means that I am not taking actions directly on Octopus's behalf, but I am basically fulfilling that need to have a, you know, spokesperson in the Midwest who has technical understanding of what's going on. That's the, the most round way I can say it, you know. Right. Well, I did have a question for you, actually, Sheldon. You said something there that I was going to, like, leave this question until, like, later, right? Because we're not, we're not really <laughs> doing an interview kind of thing. You've come on. <laughs> I do have a question, though, for, for Sheldon after you're done, Rubble. He's rugging a little bit again. Oi. <laughs> Poor guy. No, so, that's, that's his body rugging. My, that's not the... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's like... Oh. Yeah, so listen. Um, I had a question. So, you know how they have SaaS, software as a service? This new thing yes. has come out. Uh, Roll-ups as a service. Ugh, like, barf. what do you think about that? Do you Barf. think it's going to be like the next, you know, AWS, like, you know, the, like the way AWS is to oh, go ahead. No, I mean, uh, you, you can, you can pre-frame it in whatever way you want. I, I gave a very knee-jerk reaction on purpose. I, I already take a lot of issue with roll-ups in general. Why? Um, it's a trust abstraction. It's a, I believe that this cryptographic process is good enough such that the issuer is, you know, trustworthy and that I can verify this information later. I mean, in my opinion, if you have things like a hybrid data availability roll-up product, like you're doing roll-ups, but also the information that's the result of the roll-ups has an economic incentive for existing network operators to keep it live at the same place where roll-ups are being done, that's not crazy. But also, it's not that easy to sustain. That's basically what MENA protocol has been trying to work on and, and fail for a, a few while now. I mean, I'm a big fan. Anybody who's in MENA who's listening, big fan. but Maintaining the uh, sort of like mega validators and the mini validators is hard when you're trying to actually get high volumes of users to do stuff, um, even though the, the the pace of MENA is why it's so great. If, if anybody doesn't know, MENA protocol, very interesting stuff. It's just a 22 kilobyte hash that rotates every, what, six seconds, I think it is. It's, it's very interesting stuff. They're, they're building some, some really weird things over there. But like, anyway, I'm on a sidetrack. Sorry, I'm, I'm fried too. Did I mention that I'm really sleep deprived? I, I got way too much. Yes, that's why. No, no, that's awesome. I, I like sleep deprived answers because they're like kind of the more the more honest ones because you're I know you you're watch like, hot fuck ones. It, I'm, you're like, fuck it, whatever, you know, and then you just kind of say because you're just like at that point. So you don't think rollups as a service is, is even where it should be or. Well, hold on. This is this is really important. If it is. Do you watch hot ones? No. I don't even know. When you said hot ones, I thought oh you meant like hot God. takes and shit. I no. like hot takes, oh, you know, God. but I like hot, okay. hot one is. Anybody who's in earshot, listen, this will be really short. 
Hot Ones is a show on YouTube that has been successful for about nine years. It is literally just celebrities eating really hot wings in a succession from the least hot oh, to yeah. the most hot ten wings. Oh yes, I have. I, I have read. I have seen people. That. I didn't know people do not interview on that show the way they interview on other shows because they're capsaicin inebriated. So that's exactly what you're referring to. Now coming back to your question about roll-ups as a service, roll-ups are already capsaicin an abstraction. Initiate. Listen, capsaicin is also really great for pain relief. But anyways, go ahead. And swelling and lots of things. But I tell you, there's so much food here it's not helping my headache right now because i had plenty today so basically roll-ups are already a way to um condense information effectively zero knowledge is really the problem i'm picking on is sort of like combined implementation of, of zero knowledge roll-up-y things because they're they're very similar uh, they're just they have some slight differences abstractions of other data means that you are using a receipt service imagine buying something at the store and the receipt that gets printed out for the um, sort of clerk to like, you know, push down on that little metal pike that they're supposed to save all the receipts on, that has one piece of information. But then the receipt that you're handed has another piece of information. So only inside the system that actually produced these two pieces of information is there a recording of what it is. Like, I know that I'm blending ZK and rollups here a little bit, but just hear me out. This is not necessarily a, dag on, on, a drag on zero knowledge. I'm frustrated because of the lack of understanding that is trusting a roll-up provider or a zero-knowledge service provider because supposedly they publish their proofs after the fact and you just validate against them and that's good. But you're also asking for fast finality in these kinds of things and that's the reason why people are coming to them. So that means you're abstracting large amounts of data into small amounts of data at a relatively high speed and you're sacrificing some trust in order to gain that performance. I don't like the sacrificing trust part. I feel like you can play Solana level trilemma adjustments all day long. You know, you can wildly overpower some part of a system and then just give up on something like performance and all of a sudden it'll be great. But the most secure, clumsy, slow blockchain is not helping anybody. It doesn't matter that it's the most secure. We need balance. So I think that this idea that rollups are balanced is greedy and ridiculous. At the same time, I understand why some people are looking at blockchains and saying, okay, these things don't scale well over, let's say, more than a few million people. Maybe we need to have some abstraction service so that we can actually have a 7 billion person society working with this stuff. Number one, I say there should not be one blockchain for any singular purpose. I think that's already kind of a misunderstanding of, of what this industry was supposed to do. Number two, if you are going to use trust abstractions to make a hybridization of the old way and the new way, that's not crazy. But if you do it such that you only inherit the problems of the old way, you have not actually evolved. You've just made a flashy uh, bit of propaganda or sort of a, a song and dance distraction effectively. Easiest example, base. The idea that Coinbase would do their own optimistic roll-up product is that you're going to trust Coinbase to give you an Ethereum-like experience away from the big scary world of Ethereum. I am frustrated by this because some entities, small, large, young, whatever, find value in what Coinbase is doing in this regard. And by the way, I really appreciate the heck out of Coinbase for going to task with the um, United States government. And I think that this is a moderately useful tool in, in doing that. I still absolutely abhor it. It's ridiculous. But people will come to it and not realize that all they're doing is trusting Coinbase. They're living in the Coinbase sandbox. And it, it means that they're going to not have access to the rest of the world unless they go through Coinbase. 
it's not that different from what's happening at Ethereum abstraction with the 4337 and, and a bunch of other things that people are doing. But 4337 is the easiest development of that conversation, the next step. If you look at that new EIP that was launched during Ethereum Denver, which I had not heard of and was kind of surprised that I hadn't heard of it beforehand, but I also hadn't been paying attention to ETH ecosystem for a little bit. I was busy. Um, if you read that EIP, it explains right there in honest language that there are independent mempools that preclude the public mempool where transactions can be seen. That means that when you have subsets of the Ethereum validator set listening for transactions for a specific purpose or reason, whether they gave you a fraudulent account or they happen to be connected with your RPC provider or whatever the heck Frankenstein it is, it, it, for whatever reason, that ent that series of entities can have a very, very easy to pass around blacklist that has your address on it that says that if you make it to the mempool, if you submit a transaction through the RPC interface, through the network, and then make it to the mempool where validators are, are recognizing you, they won't process your transaction. I genuinely believe that's the future well, of Ethereum. Okay, so yeah. but why wouldn't they process your transaction? Because what, it's not allowed from where you're coming from? I mean, what would- What if I'm Osama bin Laden? Oh, so if they, um, you see what I'm saying? I mean, that guy's you, you can play that yes. however you want. Um, I, I'm not a terrorist. I'm not Osama bin Laden. Christ, I'm not Christ either. But like, you see what I'm saying? It's not just yeah. a liability thing. It's a control thing. It's a granularity thing. The same way that banking services work, the same way that Chainalysis has been trying to make an entire business model out of it for, so for the public version of Ethereum. It's so much easier when it's private. Nobody knows. So yeah. Do you think Coinbase is going to be, uh, Coinbase essentially is the government? Like, I mean, at this rate, I hope they become it. I, I, I still don't like this. I still have my, my reasons why Coinbase annoys the heck out of me, and I still use it. I, I, I decry it regularly. It is the biggest crypto-type institution in the United States. There are some, uh, you know, that retail interfaces with, excuse me. Like, I, and, and maybe, maybe for, uh, for cloud also, maybe for, for enterprise also, because they do actually have OCT listed for custody outside of the United States. Uh, octopus network token so they they do a lot like that that's a big deal octopus network is not the project that everybody knows for them to have listed it was was really cool we're happy for that but like the the idea of you know coinbase becoming the government is is nutty but at the same time if the government just became a series of trust abstractions and blockchains where you vote you can't see my hands but i'm doing air quotes right now blockchains where you vote that's a that's exactly what I would expect the future to be. I would that's exactly the dystopia that I think that America has earned by not giving a shit about privacy, by not standing up for rights, by not paying attention to the detail when things are important, by not um, you know hesitating on globalism and hyperconvergence and and black boxes. Like in in equitable societies, the things that America has used for accelerationism are are perfectly fine. In Indonesia here. I'm amazed at how many people just recognize that I'm bringing money to the country. I'm polite. I'm just trying to get by. I speak the language whenever they need me to. I pull out the little translator and rehearse it to myself for a second and then say what I need to say to them. Like, it is very different in a society that has some cultural alliance to the degree that they can stand up for their rights and best interests effectively. This is not the United States that we're talking about here. You know, like what happened recently legally in uh, Indonesia? Funny enough, Almost right after I got here, uh, they put up a law banning certain Russians and saying that uh, foreigners shouldn't be allowed to rent a scooter and some stuff like that. And 
I thought that was really interesting. And I went on Instagram and said, yeah, I wouldn't trust me to ride a scooter here either. I've never driven on the left side of the road. I've never ridden a scooter before. Why would you rent me a scooter for 20 bucks? Well, here I am riding a scooter because there's not much else way to get around, but I'm, I'm doing the best I can to be careful. It literally became a problem to the general public. So the general public bubbled up to governance and governance did something. Not special interest, not some crazy super thing. I'm sure there's special interest. I'm sure there's corruption in Indonesia. But when you had like an obvious greater good moment, like for safety on the road, people genuinely considered it, especially for the island of Bali, because some of this we're talking about is under the governor of Bali, not under Indonesia in specific, you know, because Bali is a little bit more of a party place than Jakarta, right? There's beaches and tourism and lots of Australians here. So, yeah, it's just I, I think that America didn't care about this stuff coming and therefore has allowed it to just fall right into our laps where there's not really a chance to interrupt it short of major unrest, which is not happening. And by the way, if anybody called that um, Tennessee protest unrest, you should tell them that they need to read more. Because if you read, read, read the details on that thing that David Hogg posted, which David Hogg is just a kid who needs to be in the media. And like, I'm sure he had some good ideas and he seemed like a decent kid when I first saw him, but like, He's just trying to drag in the messaging that he needs to drag in. If you saw that video of a bunch of people like going back and forth with some, with some sheriffs in a doorway, you know, shouting and kind of pulling around and somebody with a, a really bouncy, curly afro putting their hands up, trying to be a, a compliant-ish, you know, trying to be like, it's cool, man. Like many people reposted that, like, is this insurrection? This, this, is, this is the new January 6th or whatever. Like January 6th is already CIA crafted bullshit. That's fact. So I'm, I'm frustrated that it's not just that Americans got lazy and kind of jumped into, um, you know, all of this stuff and, and, you know, somehow they were misled and made a mistake. It's that they proactively said, I want convenience. I want my Amazon. I want my McDonald's delivered to me. I don't care if the delivery driver is hungry and, and not able to sleep in the house. I just want mine and I want it now and I want it sexy. That's what Americans have been doing for the past like 15 years. If you ask me, this is what they're cultivating is a society that doesn't mind when they're being given the next generations of technology and told that it's going to be the best thing ever for them. And it is effectively their prison. I, I say this as someone who I'm sure is never going to get heard by my dad, but I feel like I lost my dad to MSNBC. So like, you know, context. Right. Many of yeah. many of us did. I think many of us maybe lost a parent or two to uh, MSM, dude. Unfortunately, they just weren't wise enough to see it. You know what we saw? Never mind. Uh, I mean, our morals didn't move. But <laughs> anyway, what were you well, going to say, Benz? So I went and I read the the EIP four three three seven. Um, I mean, I had heard about it, but I didn't actually go and read it. Um or look at it, but it's very interesting. It's a, I've read the summarizer and it has like an account abstraction. It's users can easily turn their non-custodial wallets into a full stack decentralized banks and protect new users from losing access due to seed phrase issues. But I like the way they're packaging it, but what an interesting. It's, it's very smart, but like unpack that, right? What is a decentralized yeah. bank? I thought that's what the blockchain was to us. Uh-huh. Well, it's a subset of the Ethereum validator set that can be the police that can control how those transactions work, that can block somebody from making an account from a certain IP address, that can, you know, poison an account as soon as it's made. So it See, makes yeah, a lot of sense. You can, it's abstracting the information, but you can't like, you can't like modify it. 
but it's still yeah. getting the information. That's so well, interesting. It's 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 like using a mini subset of Ethereum validators as a proxy to the rest of the set, where the proxy has the ability to see and affect those transactions. It's, I mean, I understand how it's going to be great for compliance. I've been a compliance officer. I see how this works very, very cleanly. Having a United States implementation of Ethereum that is the safe and approved, and then, okay, are you sure you want to go beyond the legal boundary? The FBI might be notified. Click. You know, I can, I can appreciate how well that works for a lot of different people, a lot of different people, but it don't work for me. So, yep, got to average out the people who uh, are too dumb to advocate for their own best interests. Um, no, no disrespect to you, stupid people. I'm just trying to help you out. So, yeah, I, I'm trying to uh, counterbalance the average of uh, not giving a shit and stupid on uh, data privacy, whether it's at the mempool level or at the DNS level or anything. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fed up. I am exhausted. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm not trying to ramble too much. You, y'all know I can ramble, so you know, don't. Uh, I don't love it too much. Oh, I give over, it. man! Give over, Sheldon. Ah. I'm hanging, <laughs> dude. I'm hanging out me fucking arsehole. You've got no idea, like, dude. I'm, I'm just clinging to any get form some of fluids, life. guy. Oh, get some bro, fluids, bro. Bro, I've just been drinking strawberry milk. I'm drinking grape juice right now. Sprite, bro. You've been on this base talking about how Sprite is. Scientifically had, proven as the best you, hangover cure. A two liter bottle. I had a two liter bottle of Sprite at lunchtime, and it did nothing. Didn't even touch the sides. That's you need yeah. you need electrolyte. You need minerals yeah, and stuff. Yeah, there's Ooh, like corn yeah. syrup and shit in Sprite. Like what the? Come on. No, hey, I'll, I'll take the corn syrup. I'll take the coloring and all the bad stuff. But but also give the man some minerals so he can replace the ones he lost when he was drinking. You think I don't know how to take care of myself? I'm just too old for it. And I went on the piss like three o'clock, like, and then, wow. What you're talking about, Robo, we yeah, know you can't take care of yourself, man. We've been in this space for the past year with you. We've seen your toe almost fall off. We fucking saw you fall down the stairs, man. We've been looking for you for two weeks because you just disappeared. What the yeah, fuck are you talking about, man? You could have died from the dengue. So come on, man. Oh, I feel like, I feel like fucking worse than that today. I tell you, oh, it killed me. I had, when I had to stop uh, puking, like I, I wanted to puke, but I wanted to stop myself, right? I did stop myself, but you know, when you have to go through that, like, mm-mm, and it's nearly going to come out your nose, you know, it's that closer. Like, oh, and I was on a call and all today. Anyway, you know what I've always wanted to ask uh, your man, and I've never had the opportunity, I've always wanted to ask him, right? If he ever sees any, any of himself in the uh, TV yeah, character, Sheldon? Either the, the older one, either the older one or the younger one. No, I've always wanted to ask you this question, bro. Do you see any um, similarities between you and him? Honestly, uh, because I, I became familiar with the character through this kind of engagement about it, yeah, there's a couple moments here and there, both the older and the younger, where I'm like, yeah, I could see me doing that, fuck. But also, it's me doing that and being like, way less dorky about it i did not ever wear a fucking bow tie well no actually damn it there's pictures of me wearing a bow tie on the internet shit no i i I don't like wearing bow ties it was something that was put on me okay but like i was not that dorky i was that smart i was trying to make money full-time at age six like entire world have stated that i was not that dorky like every dog in the world but sorry for cutting you off no, just call me a raccoon. You don't have to call me a dog. Just call me a raccoon. I, I identify as a raccoon on occasion. 
I, I appreciate the the trash panda vibes. I, I'm I'm not here to feel kingly. I do not sit and look kingly. Um, sometimes I can speak and write kingly and present kingly, but genuinely, I am very proud to be a raccoon because I feel bad kid. Like I, I don't pick up on any PFP project. I'm not just doing it because y'all are fun and blah blah blah. Like these happen to actually work with me. If you if you've if you've lived with me, if you spent like a, a period of time with me, there are some people in crypto who've like lived in my apartment for a week and stuff. Like I, I, I am not a um, kingly individual. I'm just an ant in the ant farm who wants to see the ant farm get better. I'm tired of the ant farm being stupid and nonsensical and run by non-biological synthetic, you know, robot idiot ants hyperpowered at the top of the, the chain for no Ooh. reason, keeping the queen captive kind of thing. Oh, like that, if that's a metaphor. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's intense. Listen, real quick, real quick, bubble, real quick, real quick. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. Check it out. I I got a question from Wrecked Cities. Secret Lovers said, what do you think of secret in regard to privacy? Oh, fuck. Here we go. Oh, should I have? Oh, uh -oh, did I make a boo-boo? No, no. I've always got to make it. In me, he's always got to make it about him, man, isn't he? He's always got to make it about secret, you know? Every fucking show when he comes on. The secret. Listen, it's that's fine. okay, Amir. I like the question. I'm curious. So we've got a domain here. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to sgx.fail. Okay, did I just rug? I, I went back and forth out of my app. Am I here? Oh, we got you. We got you. No, you're here. Okay, Sgx.what? Okay. Sgx.fail. This, this is not an open book test. This is a um, really weird spaces with Robo and I both like physically in the shitter, but also happy to be on sgx.fail. I, I just put it in the um, uh, comments under. You, you can pin it if you want. I don't know what the culture is of, of comments versus pinning very well, except trying to show people stuff. But this is the way that I would describe secret network. Secret network is good enough privacy for the majority of people out there that is obscured away enough from a significant volume of highly malicious information uh, extraction and, and imprisonment over time. What do I mean by that? Monero is cool. Monero is useful. Monero is increasing the keys on the keyring. Yeah, sure. But more importantly, the NSA and other three-letter agencies participate in Monero. And CypherTrace has a patent, which they have used, I think, three times that they published, that if you have the device that you made a transaction with captured, even if you wipe it, they can do what's called a RAM dump. You can look up a software called Volatility for that. They can do a RAM dump and see the history of stuff that had happened on that device and prove that you are the person who made that transaction on the Monero network. So that means if you compromise your physical security, your privacy is already compromised. Why did it come down to that? Why did that company get motivated to do that? Is, is it because Monero is so great in privacy, blah, blah, blah? No, it's because Monero became more popular than Bitcoin for ransomware attacks. When people were going to hack a corporate network and demand volumes of money, while Bitcoin has higher liquidity, Monero is much, much better obfuscation. There are, you know, public blacklists of Bitcoin addresses of Bitcoin that's associated with hacks and stuff like that, right? So it is not the same thing to say that, you know, Monero is bad because it's not. Monero was peak privacy for some time. It's not anymore, in my opinion. And also, it's a supervised environment. People still feel like they're getting their privacy there. A lot of the lead devs have left. Some people have come back after all because they're feeling hopeful to the project. But like, bottom line, Monero is a much more different environment to think about privacy in because there's more time and there's more complexity involved. 
if you're looking at SGX, mostly what you're considering from a risk perspective and you know what could go wrong, why do I want to trust this, how secure is this, et cetera, I'm, I'm looking at SGX.fail as the easiest layman way that I can explain that there is an inherent problem with trusted execution hardware, i.e. SGX on Intel and RSTA. I'm forgetting what the acronym is on the AMD side. Don't quote me on that. If you look up trusted execution AMD uh, processor, I'm, I'm sure you'll find it. But the bottom line is both of those uh, hardware have problems because trusted execution is based on hardware implementations that are still really, really young. And that is what Secret Network is based on, is the ability to secure a workload on a computer from the local person who is running that computer. So the idea that you would be able to make networks so secret that the operator couldn't be poisoned or couldn't be sort of turned into a cheat, it's a wonderful, wonderful concept. I love it very much. I like those guys. I've seen them at multiple shows. I'm, I'm super happy to interface with those guys. Um, they, I really thought what they were doing with uh, stable coins was going to be bigger because I, I thought they had more of their ducks in a row on that. They told me some cool stuff. I think some things might have fell through. But like bottom line, because Secret Network is run on this system of SGX problems, it is not hyper secure to its operators. It is in general relatively secure. And it is, I would say, generally not as secure as Monero but it's also much less crowded and there's much less volume, which means there's lower motivation for, you know, analytics players, NSA, other entities to spend a lot of time there. Do I know if they do or don't? No, I, I don't really know. And at this point, they wouldn't need to uh, ever be detected for that sort of thing. They just privately buy service from some third party that's consuming the chain data. But the um, net sort of like thought that I have about secret is that if you are a regular person and you are moving less than $10,000 of money around to do stuff and you are very privacy first, I think secret is a great choice. Now, personally, what I would actually put for my top privacy protocol is Mimblewimble on Litecoin. So that's, that's my preference personally. I think that is peak at the moment and, and actually will be for a while, even though people don't understand it yet. And uh, and and it has its flaws, of course. I'm not trying to be an ultra fanboy, but um, I, I think that is a significantly better way of going about things. Where Monero is going to still be this cat and mouse game of is it worth it? Do you know your adversary? Are you hiding from the government or your mother? You know, like it, it's 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 different types of privacy platforms. Effectively, they have different pros and cons. But if you're just trying to look for you know one of the u most user friendly privacy coins, Secret is is a great choice. I mean, I have my rack. It's my own. I think it might be my only secret NFT. Well, no, I think I bought another one for, for kicks. Had some extra points and, and spent them, I think, stash. But um, yeah, I, I think that secret is a excellent platform and the way that they have taken permissioning to their advantage, but also not overdoing it is very wise. Like a lot of the different choices that are more granular were smartly made over there. And that being more useful to the average person combined with you know a reasonable level of security not attracting attention with a super high volume of money you know it's great to that degree i think that stable coins showing up on the platform will change things let me get to the point of, of actually like actionable useful information here instead of just waffling around because i know i can waffle so what i mean to say is that we can see the validator set to some degree we don't have really a lot of information about it but the changes in the validator set should be concerning. The more it changes, the more I'm concerned. If it stays put for a week, I feel very comfortable there. If it's changing the day before, I'm like, okay, let's see. Does that make sense? 
Um, I got a thank you from a secret. So secret lovers is satisfied with your, <laughs> I'm with glad. your I'm um, glad. response. I, I do um, like secret. Uh, so listen, I want to go and ask first, make sure Robo doesn't, um, uh, Bruce or Robo doesn't have any questions, but I was thinking since we still have, um, we're still in the two hour block, maybe we should see that if anybody else would like to come up before I get in trouble with Robo. Okay. Yeah. You're going to get in trouble with Robo. He has his hand up. Go ahead, Robo. We we haven't even done like the weekly questions, like the normal stuff that we do with like every guest that comes on. Like I kind of believe he's letting it down. We we haven't done the announcements, right? So some announcements. Uh, I guys have just DM'd Sisla and asked them to take the snapshot. Ooh. So if anyone hasn't uh, registered, uh, then you're in trouble, right? That's all I'm saying. You've got to go over to the Omniflix now. Bruce, can you pull it up in the nest, can you? Yeah, let me find it. Right, Sheldon, before B-Bands, because she's going to go on a one-year woman shortly, watch. Uh, now she's got you up here, mate. She's going to proper drill you. What's your favourite sandwich, uh, Sheldon? What's your favourite sandwich in the world? Are we, are we asking young Sheldon or are we asking current Sheldon? Oh, current Sheldon all day long, of course. Um, yeah, we, we never met young Sheldon. Like, you don't know that guy. He wasn't as cool by a long shot, I assure you. You, you might have hit your head and, and, and changed, you know? Um, but go ahead. I'm sure. No, that happened a lot. Um, what were you going to say, Bruce? I, I didn't say anything. Oh, oh, okay. My bad. I thought I, thought I cut you off for a second there. Um, so, um, realistically, the way that a Italian would do it, um, like prosciutto and you know fat whip buffalo mozzarella sandwich. That's my that's my king's lunch because I I'm I told you I'm not a king or whatever, but that feeling of regality to me in a sandwich exists between um, arugula, maybe spinach, nothing that isn't bitter enough, you know, wimpy iceberg lettuce, none of that, and prosciutto and really really dense still wet mozzarella now there's a whole thing to get into about heating that up or not heating that up cold is perfectly fine um whenever i get try to get that sandwich in the u.s uh the bread kills me because all the bread in the u.s is poison but whenever i get that sandwich in europe or outside of the united states it makes me a happy guy so yeah well i can hear it in your i can hear it in your voice i can tell sandwiches make you happy just the wee passionate way you were talking about it and everything. I'm like, this dude loves a good sandwich. Well, I mean, I, I asked, so, I asked so you about you like my childhood, right? Because I had PB&J and just flat cream cheese sandwiches for, for elementary school and middle school for, for many years. Fuck, that no. was rough. Fuck, that was rough. <laughs> it's cheap lunch. Hey, who cares? At oh. least you had a lunch, man. That's I what I'm saying. A lot me, of kids weren't poor enough to get the free lunch. Sorry, I didn't hear that, but I was just trying to say something, okay. Sheldon, and I'm going to finish it now. My mom told me when I was like 11 or 12 that I was old enough to make my own lunch, and she used time to teach me, like, do this, do that, and everything, and I just went like, fuck that, man. I rather want to learn how to be hungry. So, yeah, I'm I'm really good with hunger now. Uh, that's that's me in breakfast and that was me in college and it's it's kind of how my brain is broken because i'll sit and work and and run around and ride bike for 20 hours doing work and then realize oh fuck i feel terrible because i haven't eaten anything so that's not good yeah no i can't i gotta eat Mm -mm. i get (laughs) crazy i get angry 
I get all kinds of like my like I feel like my blood sugar's off or something. Like I, I'm like I feel like I'm dying if I don't eat. That's the one blood this. sugar. I, I've learned to carry around tamarind candies. That's that's my move now. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh... Well, Sheldon, I'm going to show my cultured side right now, dude. I would say, like, the, for me, probably the ban me would take the, the number one spot. F- closely followed by the Reuben in second place, I would think. And I'm partial to a lobster roll as well from time to time. Uh, I, I, I feel like lobster rolls me. that are good are hard to get, but that's, that's a good pickings. Bro, go to fucking Vietnam and get those ban me's, the real ones on the street with the patty and that, and oh my goodness me, they're going to blow your fucking mind. The, the bread. They melt your face, right, though? The, 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 the peppers. Oh. You know, Laos and uh, Vietnam, they've got, because of the French, yeah, French history, they've got some of the best bread I've had, like, in the fucking world. Those, like, uh, like uh, short, like, French loaf ones. <gasps> They're just a soft, like, crispy on the outside, like, like, oh, bro, take me to Vietnam right now, will you? I'm starving. Right. Last one from me, Sheldon, before I hand you over to B-Bands. I'm sure we've just got something before she brings guests in. Uh, the kind of like not like yes or no questions, right? One or the other uh, answers, one or the other. So, uh, cardigan or cowboy boots? You got to pick one. What you go with? I have to pick one. Um, technically, I own both. Um, wow. The see, uh, oh, Sheldon know how to dress. I could see it. I can see the outfit the right fuck? now. It's not really oh, a cardigan, like it. though. It's it's like that. It's like that fancy thin sweater that you put on top of a suit, but under a suit jacket. You know what I'm talking about? It's a pullover. No, <laughs> no, that's a cardigan. No, no, no. I hear what you're saying. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's I'm not. Wrong, it's like, yeah, it's, it's I definitely a light, it's have a cowboy sweater. boots, but they're like I have I have black, like dapper ass boots. They're not like ranch hand boots. I'm I'm not some guy who plays in the oh, dirt no, in fancy leather. Cow- no, we're talking about like cowboy boots, aren't we? I mean, like cowboy boots. Yeah, my boots. dad loves them. I had a pair, but nope, I'm not fond of it. It hurts my ankles. So when you when you said you're not the type of dude that play in the dirt with fancy leather, is that a really, really, really smart way to say you're not into swinging? No comment. Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no euph- euphemisms. No euphemisms on this show, is there? Fucking hell. Eh? No, no pineapples, please. No pineapples. See, like, so you're the kind of guy who likes his floor shine zipper boots, right? <laughs> I mean, my, my first pair of boots were made by a brand called Demonic, and I convinced my sort of like estranged aunt to uh, get them for me, even though they were like a size and a half too big. And I loved them for years. And by the time I grew into them, they were only half a size too big. And I used them until I couldn't anymore. I, I grew into those from 14 to 23 when i demonic. became a cable guy and wore them through yeah wait a minute demonic so your boots were from a demonic did they have like goth vibes or like did you have like a kitten yeah. heel like oh no goth vibes like I, I i definitely did like the uh the neo stuff at school i i have a uh black pleather trench coat in my closet still actually my storage unit but yeah yeah i did the uh the matrix thing for a little bit <laughs> oh, there, but i didn't I, wear I, it all I, the time it was just special occasions Oh, I had the Van Helsing edition of that coat, man, and I wore it all the time. And it was so fucking long that every time I walk up any stairs, I would fucking trip in it every fucking time. Oh yeah, you and had to learn long hair the all the way fashion. down to the shoulders. What's that, people? I said it's what well, it's what people do for fashion. 
Like, you know, you're like, I'm willing to trip over my jacket to look good. You know, fuck it. Yeah, exactly. And sweat balls and too, right? Sweat like balls? Really sweaty, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I wouldn't wash it. Like, I was a goth teen. Like, the smell is a part of the whole fashion statement, right? I mean, if it, it realistically, if it gets grayer, it's not as good. So, like, it's not even a stink thing. I'll, I'll let it air out, but you know. But if if it gets any less dark, then what am I? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's, that was where I came from. Uh, that, that's how I learned to uh, to wash my darks with a little splash of balsamic vinegar. That's that's yeah, that's that's my thing. It, it, eventually, they purple a little bit instead of going uh, grayish like they would from bleachy, you know, cleaner. Oh, nothing could be as bad as this kid I was working with, man, in Australia. Right. You should have seen what like what happened to his shoes and he just didn't change them. He kept saying, oh, I'm only here for a little bit more and I can't afford any and this and that. Right. For me, if you'd seen these like these shoes and we were working in like mud and that right and like his socks he just got encased bro i didn't even know how he still had feet at the end of this journey like literally i'm gonna find a, a photo i've got of it and you just wouldn't fucking believe it dude it's ridiculous like you're talking about the thing where the toes separate from the uh like the, the top the upper separates from the lower oh. at the toe and then eventually it's just flapping right stop it it's yeah. so hard to walk in those shoes man i've had one of those <laughs> it's so hard that's it's what the boots the were code. when I let them go. Sorry, the latency difference is, is odd. I'm still getting used to it, especially from the EU side. I, I kind of had my rhythm for it in the States before. It's don't, don't worry, man. I'm, 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 I'm just a troublemaker, bro. I'm just here to disrupt. So I have a question. Um, Bruce, do you, uh, you want to ask anything else before maybe we go and see if anybody else wants to chat with Sheldon, join the conversation? since. Another I just want to make hour? a statement, to be honest. All your plips and your sandwiches, man, you never tried a real sandwich before you have a Danish open-faced sandwich. You don't know what you're talking about, all your white bread, man. You need rye bread, real fucking rye bread made by the Vikings. And you need a virgin to make that sandwich for you that has taken a two-year's education to make it. Like, you know nothing about sandwiches. I get so infuriated every fucking time, man, you talk about it. Oh, that was just it. Thank you, B-Bands. Oh, all right. It looks like uh, we've made uh, Bruce a little angry, but he'll be all right. And Zoe, since you have the mic first, would you like to uh, ask Sheldon or come in a conversation and chat about anything? Um, I, honestly, I completely forgot what I was going to talk about. Uh, maybe, maybe come back to me in, in a little bit. Okay. So it was um, neutron. This I only talk about neutron when you uh, when you ask me to. You know, I'm not here to show. Okay, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't ask. Sorry. <laughs> um, we anything? can talk about it. I'm just embarrassingly not current enough. I, I'm going to start looking it up for a second because I'm embarrassed. I've just been saturated with stuff. I haven't been keeping up as well this week. Go ahead, go ahead. Baby. It's it's okay, children. Don't worry about it. Well, I mean, would anybody like to come and chat with us? We're just hanging out last half hour with Sheldon. Um, Coin landing page. Oh, hello. Add a speaker. And, you know, don't worry about raising hands and stuff like that. Also, Coin landing page. It, it wasn't a, an invitation to shill. 
just FYI. Oh, I, I thought because uh, Soy said he wasn't here to show, he was leaving that open to someone else. Yeah, I fucking knew it, man. Well, he knew Colander not plays. today. Not today. Right? <laughs> no, I just wanted to make that joke. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm in the in the fitness, so uh, I'll go back to uh, do my sports. Oh wait, are you on the? Are you on the elliptical? Are you on a treadmill? Are you doing weights? Which where, where are you at? I'm uh, trying to row, but uh, it's a little bit difficult when you're trying to hold the phone in the other hand. So uh... you. Oh. <laughs> You're you're trying to roll right now, Quinlan. He's going in a circle. <laughs> just like, just imagine, like all that fucking energy. He came up here. He's rowing right now, just to make a joke. Phone in one hand, sitting. He's, in the the, he's awesome. It's dedication. Shall we? Shall we make him laugh? Can you see yeah. the, what I put in the nest? <laughs> no, but I saw the shoes. Jeez. Look at the socks. He kept them socks like that for about, uh, honest to God, about six or seven weeks. Oh, my God. Imagine the smell. <laughs> you also look like cow tongues. Right? <laughs> it looks like cow tongues. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm, try- I'm, I'm that sick that I'm trying not to laugh, you know. I'm lying there on the living room floor, and I honestly feel like it could swallow me up right now. Jesus. Kids don't drink. It's bad for you. Put it that way. Oh. Did you um? Did you ever call, ever end up calling that Chinese girl? I kind of hope you didn't because you were really drunk. So did you end up calling her, sending her a message or anything? No, but I kind of like said I would. Oh. You had to remind me, didn't you? You know what? Listen, maybe that'll make you make you feel better. Like oh, you know, man. like send, send oh, a message. Like... <laughs> and then she doesn't respond for like twelve hours. I don't know what, like, yeah, language or slang you're using, like the US or whatever, Bruce, or what you're doing uh, Denmark. But, like, if I was back at home in England and I was describing exactly how I was feeling, like, my friend or something, I would be like, I'm hanging out of my fucking ass. We would, we would, yeah, it's very close in Denmark. We would say, I'm a, I'm like an ass that's tired of shitting. <laughs> that's quite a good one, that one. I like that one. I thought I was full shit. <laughs> so I have a question for you, Sheldon. It's a it's sure. a deep one. So, like, how do you how do you feel like um, how do I say this in English? So, your personal convictions and beliefs, right? Your own belief system and values. How do you think those are reflected in the society you now live in? Like, can you can you can you can you recognize your own values in the society you have moved to in Bali? In the um, road anarchy stuff, yes, because in Miami, I frequently drive over the speed limit. And I do that while watching out for everybody around me and carefully planning and predicting where I'm going to go and keeping in mind of rain and, you know, license plates that aren't Floridian and all kind of stuff. So in the vein of traffic, it's weird how much I feel at home because it is quite um intense but also I, I feel moderately prepared for some of this stuff you know the checking your mirrors and, and being like peripherally aware in multiple directions actually simultaneously not just like glancing around it's a it's a skill you know you you develop it from a high pressure environment of you know idiots in uh expensive cars flying by you drinking and doing coke so 
I think that the um, the driving environment is is honestly making me feel more at home. It, it is scary. I'm I'm being dumb and hurting myself because I'm getting used to the left side of the road. Like more than anything, that's the the weird part. But um, my my values, I think, are being observed in the way that people genuinely look out for each other. In that the chaos of the road is everybody doing the best they can and just trying to follow the sort of cultural norms in order to communicate effectively with other people just through body language and road positioning. So that's, I think, actually wonderful. And it, it reminds me of the kind of things I used to shout out the window in Miami to get people to just do the simplest thing. You know, one car in the way making a dumb merge at like a 90 degree angle blocks, you know, 50 people very quickly on I-95. So um, I, uh, to not ham it up any further, traffic is one. Um, there's, uh, there's, there's something that was like not close to my moral compass, but did make me feel at home, which is realizing how uh, screwed up the infrastructure is here. It's not just the, um, you know, the way that sort of, uh, cables and, and poles are not hyper-regulated. It's that the actual implementations of the internet here are, are not great. And people are just gradually getting, uh, the kind of Wi-Fi technology that I was implementing in the late 2000s. So um, there is still like the newer stuff available, but the newer stuff that I'm getting that's available sucks. It's all these ASUS routers that have terrible, terrible firmware and like are, are, are not meeting their basic specs and features because the, the firmware is just not right. And uh, the DDWRT guys don't even like this series of units, so they're not dealing with it. I had to default one of them and I went online to look at the instructions. I used the new method to default it, didn't work, wouldn't go into recovery mode. And then I was like, okay, you know what? This is dumb. Let me just see if this is acting like the old one. And then it did. I'd use the, the regular old school reset mode and it worked just fine. So um, reset uh, procedure or SOP or whatever you want to call it. So um, from a network engineering perspective, the bubblegum and shoestring feeling of infrastructure around me is um, it, it's comforting in a weird way because it means that I know I can be useful here. Um, I know that there's work worth doing. I, I know that we're going to um, launch a conversation with BizNet uh, at some point in the next little while to get them to make significant changes in their network. They had to um, plant fires, by the way, if you don't know what that means, it's like saying facility plant, but um, it means that they had like a you know critical facility of some sorts, a, a place where networks were meeting and they didn't have good grounding there. So I think that's my sort of number one uh, complaint in, in one way that the, um, uh, uh, what's it called? That the, uh, the 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 electrical infrastructure needs some love. Also, uh, I'm prepared to work on that locally for me. I'm, I'm not prepared to uh, implement a, a culture of of different grounding. But the the EU way of grounding is is quite clever, and it works great. But you have to actually implement it, and only some people do here, and that includes an internet service provider. So that's comforting, but it's not in line with my morals. So it doesn't answer your question. Um, to to I guess tie off this one. <laughs> um about uh, morality here you're killing us here sheldon oh hey well i'm trying to soak up the whole two hours bro i thought i had time so you know (laughs) no coin landing's been dying here with his hand up i feel like oh shit and then i'm so sorry you were just out of view no i really really enjoyed i really enjoyed that answer but yeah just go ahead oh no problem no problem i was uh wondering sheldon what would you advise for someone looking into getting a wi-fi 6e router like a nice and secure one, but a good one. I mean, um, first of all, check WPA3 support. Um, if you're really nerdy, uh, check the actual component inside the router, because if you don't have dual core in a router these days, then you're just, you're going to fall down eventually. You'll have problems eventually. You're, you're not going to get the same throughput other people are. 
Um, finding out how many cores are in your router is not the easiest thing to find out. It does take some some component research, but the average consumer grade router is either single core or virtual dual core these days. Um, look into that because physical dual core is, is much more worthwhile in my opinion. But um, realistically, WPA3 is, is the first thing that's like consumer grade trackable. Hey, does this actually have the new key exchange mechanism that's supposed to be better, even though it's not at all perfect and has lots of problems, because that's where you can expect them to make updates in the future. And that's supposed to be the new hotness because better key exchange, et cetera, even though it has its flaws. Um, I think the uh, MIMO part of it is, is still really critical. People sleep on that. If you're buying a Wi-Fi 6E router because it's matching the specs that you got hyped on, then you might need to check a little bit of what the sort of like most expensive option is and what the shittiest option is. Try to get a feel for where you land in the middle. So um, if you don't have something like minimum uh, two by two antennae, um, I prefer four by four though that is like more than double what most people pay for internet devices. Um, that means that you, you're coming off of one or two antennas with only one or two logical um, uh, sort of amps or RF emitters or uses of that antennae, right? So um, that sucks if you're like literally looking at bunny ears and then literally connecting to the internet over bunny ears. That actually sucks uh, in, in modern technology with multicasting and you know uh, uh, dual channel stuff and, and all kind of different things, whatever. So the, 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 the bottom line is that I think that because it's a good protocol and a new one that people are going to fall into the trap of misunderstandings and the pawns will go first. The people who get excited about these products, the Linus Tech Tips diehard viewers and so on. Um, I think they will be good pawns and they will go first and everyone else is going to keep shopping more specific to performance in their use cases because Wi-Fi 6E is cool, but I could give a shit about six gigahertz because I don't have one giant open floor warehouse where six gigahertz is super useful to me. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Thanks. Thank it, you. Uh, makes a lot of sense. And uh, I was actually looking at all those things. So thanks for confirming. And we have a new guest, uh, Chess on Chain. Uh, he just Yo. popped in, and we have Homestead too. So I don't. Who was first? I don't remember. I think it was Homestead. Homestead, you guys. Give me a hand up. Give me a hand up if you think you were first. Either of you. I, I don't know. I, I was clearly looking at the top of the screen. There we go. Chess on Chain. Go ahead. All right, hey brother. guys. Um, how are you all doing? Uh, hey, hey. Uh, just, um... Teke, do you want an intro? Just like respect, brother. Do you do? Can I give you an intro? Is that okay? Because like we know each other, yeah, you know, yeah, disclaimer, yes. right? You. you know, like it, it's very obvious to me. I think it's it's obvious to Teke and stuff, but just to just to keep it casual, um, Teke and I have known each other for what about four years now? Four years and change, I think. So, it's it, it it's a um, it's it's my joy to work on this concept with him, even though realistically. I'm not doing much work. I'm just trying to be helpful with some design stuff. He really is doing the heavy lifting. We were looking at, you know, what is something worth doing that has a good balance of, you know, computational value, sort of like agility, uh, in general, a use case that can be met and, you know, sort of understood as also a new implementation of a new technology, something cool. Well, multi-chain chess where you use your identity to play chess is pretty awesome. So I'm just not going to chill too much for you besides that. But just to say it in that way, Teke and I know each other and I do have an intimate familiarity with chess on chain because transparently I'm a fan. I used to be a ranked chess player when I was a kid. I don't like the idea of going to chess.com or light chess because as a privacy advocate, it really sucks to just give away my data to their AI or their records or to just 
let people know that I'm playing chess on chess.com and that that's, you know, that's what I am doing, which is one of the most 10,000 popular websites in the world. I'm, I'm just not into web two models for things that actually scale really well for gaming. And I really want to do things like play bug house and crazy things on chain. And um, it's just Tech and I had had been speaking before that we had talked about things before that I'm very proud of him for getting a, a grant from the Stacks ecosystem to run a blockchain hub in his town in Bielsa, which is not the most popular place for tech, honestly. Like I'm really proud of him for doing that. That is just one step in the stepping stone of me introducing him in reverse. Because I'm sorry, I'm so fried today, bro. Let me actually give you a, a reasonable introduction, and then we'll keep moving. Um, Teke has been uh, not just learning Rust, but teaching Rust to many other people for quite a while, because when him and I met, we were still kind of looking at what's worth doing and what's interesting and what's out there. And Rust is one of those things where it was just inescapable. And I'm really proud of it because he took his knowledge further than me. Realistically, he could teach me some things about Rust. But at the same time, he took that forward into let's do something cool and got a team behind him. And all the while, him and I have been talking about these different things, about how the, the hub would work on his end and how we can get support and do different things. Uh, I'm very happy to be helping with uh, some different stuff so we can get them uh, their angels that are sort of like waiting. But the bottom line is multi-chain chess is not about being in one ecosystem. It's about Rust. So that's how I wanted to introduce you, bro, because you're a Rust gangster, my guy. You are awesome with Rust. So thank you so much for coming up. Please, any question, I'm very happy to answer for you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the introduction. Um, th that's that's a lot. Um, thank you very much. Uh, yes, chess is very, very interesting. And the idea for a multi-chain is really, really nice. You talked about chess, chess.com. And I, and I think we should have choices, you know, and um, that that's um, one of the importance of, of building this. So um, I, I don't really want to feel too much about chess on chain, but um, as Sheldon said, um, I'm from Nigeria, Bielsa, and uh, we anchor a blockchain hub in our city, which is Rust, and um, not just Rust, which is Clarity and um, other smart contracts uh, languages. And yeah, we have quite a lot going. Uh, my question is, um, I, I was going to share um, what I have in mind and then ask ask the audience for some feedback about app chains. I'm asking for the best fit, like the best host to anchor an app chain um, in this current market. I am aware of um, Cosmos and um, the likes of Polkadot, Kusama, Octopus Network also, and um, I think th th there's a couple others. But those are. Um, do you know? Do you know if you're uh, Rust? Yeah, if you're writing in Rust, you want to be on Juno, right? Cosmwasm is realistically one of these decisions. We we were trying to save Cosmwasm for a little bit later so it could mature more because Cosmwasm would be the the youngest Rust component integrated for a chain. But it, it's been discussed. I don't mean to put words in your mouth, Teke. It's just it's it's not yet, right? Cosmos has yeah, has a lot yeah. to do. Yeah, uh, most of the time I I, I don't just um, like to decide on my own. I like to ask for input from others and um, get feedback on on what would be nice. So um, th this is more like a discussion to the house. Um, I'm curious to hear what you guys think about um, an option like this and what would be fit for it, especially you, Sheldon. I mean, I think this is, is a really healthy conversation to have as a group because 
on the one hand, Cosmos is like sort of blatantly labeled the app chain system. At the same time, interchain security is going to smear that a little bit. Consumer chains aren't necessarily, but let's play a theoretical game. God forbid Cosmos is gone. Cosmos somehow evaporated for whatever reason. Let's say, you know, critical tournament bug found all exploited in the wild all at once because of some crazy chat GPT kids. Something crazy happens. And all of a sudden, all of the app chains in Cosmos aren't as, you know, content connecting to each other in the way that they were before. Sure, they'll seek new homes with Celestia. Sure, there'll be conversations about other uh, private bridges and all different things. But what other app chain ecosystems are there in general? I appreciate you naming them off. At least that makes it easy for, for me. Octopus Network is definitely one of them. They are um, adopting their offering to accept Cosmos SDK launches. Uh, supposedly Q3 is when that's going to launch. Um, you can read about that on Medium. I'm happy to discuss that as well. Not the point of me being here, but still happy to discuss it. Um, realistically, their main offering was Substrate. So looking at them as a Substrate host, there's some very specific centralization risks and concerns about them being the administrator of the smart contracts that connect with those app chains, right? Um, that applies to both the Substrate chains and the Cosmos chains. But if we're doing a comparison, I, I should be verbose. Why am I trying to summarize this? To, to be verbose on this spaces where technically we have 15 minutes left, but I think we're going to run later. Is it is it against the rules to run late? I don't, I don't no, it's not we, against I, the rules. No, just, I think. Uh, okay. I think this has become this children's show, so it's just going. Oh shit. Wrong. Okay. I love you, man. Don't worry. <laughs> so, so realistically, in every trilemma in blockchain, there are people trying to tip the scale in one direction a little bit hard and make it make sense. Solana does that to gain performance. Octopus does that to help small chains launch. It's a very transparent and available piece of information that the Halborn audits of Octopus Network cite centralization risk because all of the contracts of Octopus Network are administered by the Octopus Network team. And I have never had those admin keys, nor do I want any proximity to them. That's perfectly fine from a, a liability perspective. I'm an American. There's no benefit to, uh, you know, sort of putting me in the middle of this existing regulatory nonsense, even though I'm not physically in the country right now. And that's always how I felt about it uh, since August 2021, is that I, I understood that, you know, regulators were getting stupider and, and something was coming. So I was like, hey, you know, respect, I need to be hands off to that degree. So inside Octopus, knowing that, that means that there are four different types of contracts that interface with every single chain in order to keep their token contracts on near operating. Who retains and custodies the keys of those contracts? It's not the individual app chains themselves. It's Octopus Network. So that means when DEIP, and this is all public information, when DEIP left the Octopus Network ecosystem last year, it was the result of a decision that was made on the um, administrator side, on the, the centralized side, and the contract was orphaned from the chain. The people who own the chain stated that they were giving up on their mission uh, that they were literally going to stop doing anything so that was what we did is to um try to get some some you know validators safely to to, to liquidity and then you know uh it, it didn't exactly go as a as any policy i drafted said it should have gone and um this was by the way the day before our one-year anniversary uh october october 7th is the the date of this event if you're looking this stuff up but basically that chain lost access to its economy on the layer one because that is the entire service that Octopus Network offers, which is the ability to 
launch your own app chain pretty easily and then connect to liquidity bell one what is that that is a hub type relationship and a really chain type relationship combined because you can get com you know compute out of near you can get compute out of other adjacent structures so that's that's useful but what i did what i did all there to say was to set up that octopus network is a sacrifice of trust and i've said this before is a sacrifice of trust and security ultimately in order to get performance and lowered costs so that's why it is cheap as dirt to operate on those app chains it's not because they are um you know low price tokens versus the dollar it's because we're supporting them with four validators of last resort it's because we maintain the rpc interface the default one for those chains they're welcome to pop up their own IPC interfaces and we encourage them that they do. They usually don't. They're leaning on us to spend that money because we promise to do that as their partner. So being a services firm is one way to get this sort of client, Teke, for example. And I think that it's quite reasonable to say, hey, if you're if you're launching something that's smaller and more like a solo chain and your your product kind of like needs to grow up in prod, then we'll help you. We'll we'll literally give you free resources that's not the kind of offerings that we're looking at at basically every other app chain system because when polkadot is putting its thumb on the scale of the um trilemma which we can start talking about that a little bit more as well the um sort of differentiation in the trilemma for them is liquidity um if you look at um polkadot ecosystem there's a a pretty massive uh, economic shock that happened to them this is just being transparent this is not hater shit, right there was a two billion dollar oopsie in that ecosystem for a stable coin that was coming out of one of the oldest DeFi products. And I have great sympathy for that oopsie because otherwise they seem to be doing okay. I didn't think they made a wildly great DeFi product, but it wasn't bad for a, you know, for a chain that's whole value prop was based on trading and interesting tools and stuff. But that um, economic gap is a perfect, is a perfect exemplification as how Polkadot is completely focused on compute. They're positioning themselves for institutions, so that's completely different from the type of security that we were talking about at Octopus, right? Versus, you know, sort of single issuer that you have to trust versus here's the relay chain. The relay chain is the institution. There's multiple operators. They all roll up to parity for software for updates, but still, you know, this is, this is the institution. It is the council of operators, if you want to call it that from a, a human perspective for those aren't so nerdy. But that means that what you're getting in that sort of like choice of the trilemma is you're really getting a lot better compute, but you're getting less good liquidity. And it is sort of infamously hard to bridge with Polkadot, which is why Polkadot does such good work advocating for Axelar, a trustful bridge solution. I appreciate that they do. I love the Aster guys to death, but realistically, Polkadot Eco has not a great uh, series of pathways in and out of it, liquidity sense, um, whether you're talking about centralized exchanges where there are many, many assets listed to be fair, um, they worked hard on that, and also um, uh, 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 decentralized exchanges, or even you know reasonably centralized validator exchanges, or whatever. You know, we'll, we'll go over the three types of bridges another time. But you know, whether they are centralized or decentralized exchanges of assets, there's just not that much liquidity for Polkadot. They are much more the institutional play because that's what they did with their you know big piles of investment money, is focus on being more like a cloud replacement and less like a service that helps small chains running. It's more like, hey, we, we wanna offer you really high grade infrastructure for it. The price is the price. The price is the price. So um, that's a whole thing about parathreads that we'll get into a, another time. But um, uh, basically, well, actually, no, we should get into it right now. What am I saying? 
this is the Sheldon show, apparently. So <laughs> you can cut me off anytime you want, Teka. You know, I, 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 I talk. So, yeah, um, I was going to ask, um, yeah. um, what do you, what do you describe as, uh, um, you've mentioned severally um, small chains or uh, how do you describe small chains? It, it, it doesn't mean like, uh, uh, I, I want to know what you mean by small chains and what would you call a small chain? So I would say that a small chain is a product that has moderately low complexity and is not looking to necessarily engage a, um, a series of verticals or a mass market. They're looking for not a niche, but they're looking for a specific target market. Like if, example, the biggest app chain in Octopus right now is Myriad. Their target market is social media users who need to still be integrated with Twitter, but want to get off Twitter. Like that's not a terrible positioning. There, there are, that is a market, right? There are people there that fit that description that, that want that, right? Is that an easy way to go about managing a product? No, Polkadot's products are, are really more positioned to, hey, this is something great for everybody. This is tooling, et cetera. And, and the same is true in Cosmos, honestly, for, for even, um, even if you're not looking at DEXs, even if you're looking at things more like the Raccoon chain and all kind of other stuff. Like, I think that the idea of doing something small and growing it is really what the solo chain model is, is to say, hey, we, we want to get this idea in production because we don't want to be so victim to venture. We want more people to participate in the chain instead of investing in us and then putting sell pressure on our asset. You know, it, it's not crazy to go the solo chain route in Cosmos or anywhere else and get started. And Cosmos is probably one of the best places to do the truly, truly solo chain route. But solo chains, I think, are marked by that literally by low complexity and by um, less wide markets of appeal. When I think about how many people in the world know what chess is, whether they're in the West or not, that makes me think just from a start, that's already a bigger funnel than just about every other um, app chain product that I'm familiar with, including most products in Web3, because there are far more people who have played chess in the world than have ever touched a blockchain of any type. So just to, just to say that, but at the same time, Going further than that, because it's not supposed to be specific to the chess on chain. This is not the question that you ask. I apologize. I just I get excited. Bottom line, the idea of multiple integrations, i.e. doing signatures with multiple other blockchains such that you can uh, validate your identity on another chain, you know, doing that sort of thing with multiple other entities to me already separates a um, sort of like solo chain from something that isn't what, um, you know, Polkadot would call a, a parachain, but is something larger, is, you know, an expanding product, covers a larger range of users. It's not necessarily about the um, physical validators. I'm sure if I had more brain cells, I'd have a, a third requirement, sort of. <laughs> but the truth is, I think that the uh, the complexity is is really a significant part of it, because if you're appealing to a really small group of people, and you're just making sure that the economics make sense for like, I don't know, a specific type of chemical research engineer who wants to do some specific weird compute AI stuff and you're making a blockchain out of it. Crazy. Don't do that necessarily. But anyway, um, my, my point is that if you're at that higher level of complexity, but you're still appealing to a small market, then congratulations, you've probably made a beautiful niche product. And that's great. But those are much harder to make a you know multi-relationship worldly thing what what kind of partnerships does our super science chain have you know 
the, the, the super science chain is going to partner with other people who are sort of on theme and then what have liquidity? Like what else? What kind of application data could possibly be exchanged? What other projects are interested in that? Who's who's tokenizing that on, on some weird derivatives exchange, right? Maybe defund. But like, I think that the, I'm, I'm joking about that, by the way. I just, I, I thought it was funny that we could tokenize almost anything from any chain uh, with those guys. And, and it was awesome that I bumped into them in person. But the, um, the, the, the complexity and the wide appeal thing is I think where you get started. If you look at every chain that's successful in Cosmos and every chain that's successful in Polkadot, they both share at least, uh, let's say two strong value proposition components, like one that's a little bit more major and one that's slightly auxiliary. They all have at least this. And then multiple components of their software that are not unique to them necessarily, or they're not unique hundred percent, but that are unique in the way they've implemented them. You know. Like, I'm not saying bespoke solutions, but, you know, if you make something that's too easy and too simple, prepare to be forked. If, if, you're, if your value proposition is that you make NFTs that are literally just blank space, congratulations, you're going to have a billion copycats tomorrow. You know what I mean? So I think that those are the two ways that you would really define it. Um, I'm trying to think who else we should be giving a, a fair stab as an app chain ecosystem. I'm struggling a little bit. I mean, AVAX uh, is supposed I, to be in that list, but their consensus is bound to Sheldon, a single party. So I'm iffy about Sheldon, that. Sheldon, I, I have a quick question. So I actually had a question that I, I typed down so I wouldn't forget. Um, but there's uh, Ambito also had a question. Mm-hmm. You had said something earlier where you said um, there should not be one chain that only has one specific use. No, like, no. Um, I, I don't. I, don't, I, want, I, I, like, I, I might have said to... that literally. I might have said that literally. It's not what I meant to say. I'm. I'm so sorry if I said that literally. Yeah, um, I wrote it down real quick because I because I'm pretty sure I heard you say that. So can you explain what you meant? I'm. I'm. I'm a hundred percent sure what I meant. If it's not what I said, is that there is no one specific purpose that should only have one chain. I.e., we shouldn't be trying to make all of the money in the world based on Bitcoin. I, I like Bitcoin. Bitcoin's great. My life savings is in Bitcoin. And Litecoin. But at the same time, I'm not rushing to make Bitcoin the only money. I think that is psychotic. That is events that is against the concentration of power principles that we're literally trying to manage in the Bitcoin network. Does that mean that, you know, well, Sheldon, why don't you want Bitcoin to replace all government currencies? No, I think Bitcoin as digital gold is a great backstop for the dollar and a great way to repeg global currencies to another value and all kind of shit like that. But I, I'm using Bitcoin as an example, but also. I think that eventually others will arise to try to compete with chess on chain. There are um, different things. Like I think there's a widget on near social or something like that. There's different people trying to, you know, do other things. That doesn't mean that they would do anything half as interesting or half as worthwhile or half as challenging as actual multi-chain distributed identity, you know, chess, because that's really the concept, right? Is that, you know, multiple chains would be able to keep record, et cetera, et cetera. So, Okay, and then thank you. And then my other question is, um, Ambito said if, if someone wanted to explore the near ecosystem for the first time, where would be a good place to start? And what are some cool things to do in the ecosystem? Sure, good question. Um, I'll take that one because I, I do like near and it's in the headline here. Thank you for that question. Um, so I think awesomenear.com is a really great place to start. Um, because I'm hyper transparent, it is run by D1 Ventures, which is a known investor in the near ecosystem. They're an investor in Octopus. I've spoken to them multiple times. Those guys are excellent. They're very wise about how they manage ecosystem plays 
they are generally trying to do cool things. So I do like, hey, D1 is cool. The guys who run that website are cool. If there's something wrong and you submit the information, they do their best to update it quickly. Awesome Near has about a thousand projects listed. A lot of them are dead. A lot of them are half-baked. It's just people launch stuff and run off. It happens in bull markets, right? So there are a handful of different things that Tech and I have looked at before for rewards. There's a handful of things that I, I, I think people will challenge the ethic of. Let's, let's start there. Yeah, let's start with the, the place where ethics is weird. Yeah, that's fun. Inhyped.com, I-N-H-Y-P-E-D.com. I'll put it in the, in the comments if you want me to. Inhyped is a platform where you can pay for people to retweet you. You use your funds on chain and you say, hey, here is the link of the tweet or comment. Please retweet this. Um, I'm willing to spend this much near and I would like to have this many retweets. And it automatically does the math and shows you, hey, this is what each person is going to get paid for a retweet. And common culture on there is to pay about a penny, somewhere between a half a penny and five cents roughly for, for tweets. There is seemingly not an extremely high volume of users there. I would estimate there's not more than 100. So this is something that I actually think is valuable that's happening on Nier. And of course, the founder is being a non-still, and I'm very proud for him. And he's actually uh, uh, probably a little bit uncomfortable if he hears me talking about this stuff. I, I did tell him once that I would not be too loud about Inhyped. But since then, I've introduced Inhyped to Nier governance as a social faucet. The idea is simple. If you are willing to retweet me, it's not that I'm necessarily paying you because it's not really worth the trouble of you getting the near and you know trying to retweet everybody's mother and then you know go liquidate five dollars worth of near and find out that you're caught up in the fees and you got to go you know farm it again. Like nobody's farming this. It's not really farmable from a human perspective because if you request a hundred retweets, you don't really get them, and that's how it should be because as a social faucet. You're just asking the people who are already on that platform to be willing to retweet you and accept the reward. They might have already been the people reading the tweet, but the idea that they would follow in behind you and be willing to retweet for a penny or two, I think it's actually really appropriate. You could challenge the ethic of that, but I would say in turn, what about Twitter silencing me because I'm not using the keywords that are popular when I'm literally trying to tell people about shit that's happening, whether it's the government or Cosmosm or Polkadot or Near. When I'm not using hot keywords that are trending at the moment, nobody fucking sees that shit. I'm super happy that Inhyped exists so that I can, in those moments, throw down a dollar and say, hey, guys, I really need this to get seen. Are y'all cool with 10 cents per tweet? I think the highest I've ever paid before is 50 cents. But that's the idea is the same way that a gas market works. You can do a social market that actually defeats social media platforms outside the platform with a reasonable record. So I am effectively on-chain depositing into that platform. So the amount of money that I've put in is known. The amount of money that people withdraw from the platform is also uh, uh, you know, public information on-chain. But what actually happens on the platform is just your record. It's, just, it's bound to your key. It is uh, semi-decentralized. It's bound to your near account. So that means that the information, uh, you know, the log of, of your stuff it is literally saved on that site. It is not saved on chain as itself. It's saved on chain as a copy of the data, basically a receipt. So I like very much the idea that I'm paying for ethical retweets to, to stop hamming up about that because that is something I use frequently. Now, there's also a few um, little you know, fun gambling things that are like DeFi, like near crash. You can throw in some money and then you, know, you never know when the roulette will stop. And then you get all the money that was in the pot because other people are throwing in money. It's... 
it's cute. I mean, I honestly don't like stuff that is just kind of, you know, DeFi and gambling. But hey, here's a fun way to do it that actually evades, uh, uh, you know, legal stuff pretty nicely. And it's just a really simple, hey, we're going to put money in a pot and see what happens. Okay, you know, surprise, you're the winner. You're the last one to put money in. That stuff's cute. There is a lot of other things to do. I think it's worth noting that Ref Finance is probably the prime DEX that's operated by proximity. Um, there's a lot of really good features on there. You can buy near directly with money and blah, blah, blah. But more importantly, Ref Finance has something unique. <laughs> Sorry, Rob was getting me sick. So Ref Finance has something really unique. Love you, buddy. The only thing that I, I can describe this as is inter-platform, live inter-platform decks. Like I know that Osmosis has active connections with other um, products and, and you know, IBC relationships, et cetera. But imagine if Osmosis and some random decks on Evmos could be um, making a swap that involved a liquidity pool of one on one side and one on the other, and then one would request it and the other one would reply with the uh, the liquidity and then volunteer some back into the other side in the form of a different asset. Like there is this crazy hot potato going on between Ref Finance and Trisolaris which is the oldest uh, DEX on Aurora, which is an EVM built on top of an air protocol. A lot of people end up going there because they like the EVM experience better. Please stay in the Rust land. You'll, you'll, you'll like it better if you hang around for longer. The benefit of all of that is that the ETH DGENs who do want to have their own little MetaMask grade experience on a faster than Ethereum platform, all of that liquidity is shared with the main DEX on near Ref Finance. So, that means the most important liquidity pools have not just one platform of users or one UX of user or one type of user, there's multiple. Um, other things to do, um, really big shout out to Mike Purvis um, for developers, Croncat. Croncat is the fucking coolest thing that nobody knows about. It's if this, then that for um, crypto. It's basically that you can monitor events and based on those events, trigger other actions, as long as you know what those actions are in advance. Um, Mike was was basically brought to near based on the technology, and that was what he dropped down. And, and like, dude, I didn't get to talk to him about it for a long time, but when I finally did, he was like, "Yeah, I can see why you like it, because yeah, you're just you're nerdy enough for this, absolutely." I'm like, dude, I'm more than nerdy enough for this. Thank you so much for putting cron jobs on chain. It's the simplest thing. I just needed a clock. I just needed an event listener. Thank you. So if this, then that on chain. Big shout out to to Mike Purvis because that is croncat is really cool, just straight up. Um, there's a couple other things with like pixel art and, you know, trying to dominate the tiles so that you can, you know, sort of buy up the space, like a, an infinite auction of a mosaic where you're buying up a piece of the mosaic each time. And, you know, people are trying to like take over little areas and draw things in with their ability to control the mosaic and stuff It's very, I mean, I thought that was kind of a fun art game. Um, I feel like there's a couple others that I'm forgetting. Um, there's there's definitely some like richer games that have been building for a while that got a little bit nervous around the the bear market. You know, people doing uh, lots of off chain integrations, but that stuff's not in prod right now. So I'm not going to hype it up too much. Just from a, a key perspective, from a sort of like non Web two familiarity perspective, if you're actually developing something really secure, Near is is really familiar to people who understand key management. So that is um, how some products translate into something confusing. But I think the other thing that that you should do, honestly, when you when you log on to near to finish this up, because I hear myself and I need to get some water, is um, getting your name. Because I am crypto is dot near. I highly encourage you to get something. 
Um, let me explain why I'm not Sheldon.near. Well, that name is reserved. The person who uh, sort of started the first marketplace to do the name services is, I think, an old employee or at least one of the guild members or something. And I don't necessarily know who it is. So I decided that I was going to register crypto as .near. And then as soon as I realized I couldn't register my name, I said, OK, I remember we used to do this shit back in the day. Can I send this guy a memo? Can I send him a transaction with a little note? If someone is nerdy enough to like name services and run it on a platform like Near, they might actually be nerdy enough to notice if I message them. So I know the account who owns Sheldon.Near is a certain account that is very old that did start that platform. And I have not messaged them yet because I've not gone full guns on this. I, I like crypto isn't near. I got used to it, but I still want Sheldon.Near. So I'm, I'm going to be um, buying that off of the person who owns it, which is the marketplace. And the reason I'm mentioning this is not to hype up the marketplace because there's actually a couple of them and they all work just fine. You can you can look up if you want to find name services on near or names on near. Uh, buying it natively in the near foundation sponsored wallet is easy, but that's not the marketplace, right? That's just the initial picking of your name. What I mean to say is that the reason why you would get your near name is not to just have a. Um, oh, I guess that was Ben say, uh, saying goodbye. Thanks so much for for hanging, bands. Appreciate you. Um, so, um, one of the reasons I, I say the name is important is because you can send messages to somebody else if you know their name. So, um, I messaged the Sheldon Near account on another platform. I think it's called Near Chat. I still have the tab open, but like I said, I'm a recovering stoner. So. If you go to Awesome Near and you search message or chat or messaging, I'm sure it'll come up. I think it's near chat, but you can literally just have private conversations based on key pairs that are made on chain, meaning that you can be better privacy than Signal by just going to a website and having a blockchain address that's built into your browser. So, so we did get a DM, you're right, Sheldon. Yeah, babe, and she, she had a run. She's uh, got an appointment at the gym, hasn't she? So she's hung on for as long as she could, but she didn't want to interrupt at the same time, you know. Very she's polite. sweet, yeah. yeah. Oh, she's a great, great host. Uh, I see we've got a home club up here. Uh, Ambedo, I hope you got some alpha there, brother. Just what he wanted. They'll be over there having a little play on there. Yeah, yeah home club. Welcome up, brother. Hey, Robo. How are you, man? Oh, dude, I'm hung over to death. Jesus. I'm, I'm like you know, death warmed up, brother. I saw that message last night and I had replied kind of in jest and then i thought about well shit did i drive him to like busting out the fucking bottle and watching quadrophenia that movie's like sure. four hours bro if you were drinking through the whole rock opera <laughs> no i stayed up and jumped on the white whale bloody spaces didn't i oh my fucking god do not let raccoons on spaces at three o'clock in the morning please for the love of god that was so funny bro i'd listen back man that is hilarious everybody should go in on robo's uh, timeline and find the tweet he did about the white whale community call and just listen back man it's comical gold if you want the full crack like the the build up of that bit you need to listen at about 116 where we start talking about the block time but then as we got into it and i got a bit passionate yeah like i was like okay i think it's it's very funny but it's also a shame that it's recorded because Ragafilm basically just lost all Juno funding possibilities in a matter of two minutes. Oh, I really do need to re-listen then, huh? <laughs> Literally just skip just skip one hour one hour sixteen and just sit back and enjoy it. Oh my god. When I 
when I said nine seconds is way too long, people sitting there in the box shorts start wondering what they're doing with their fucking life. I couldn't help myself. Anyway, Shellen, you've been, honest to God, you've been an absolute superstar uh, tonight. We've got like a 10-minute warning from Finn, guys, because he says we're pushing it there. Uh, the two hours has become two hours 20 regularly, Bruce, hasn't it? The last few weeks, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we're trying to push the limits of uh, Finn's rule books and experience, yeah. But it's I'll a fun just, little just game. Make me the host, I'll rename it. Yeah, hey, no problem. I'll, I'll just take over. I'm a raccoon, right? So can I just can I just take over? Oh no, it's recorded. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was know, playing. You guys, I, I'm gonna start blaming you for single-handedly ruining Finn's ability to do this with all your time overages. Oh, I are we butting into dude. another cosmo space? Are we stepping on somebody's toes right now? Nah, we don't no, care anyway. I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking, oh, and it's not oh, even shit. a good one. <laughs> Fucking had me, goddamn! You got nah. screwed all nervous there, man. Nah, we, like, we own we own this time slot, uh, Sheldon. People don't even bother anymore these days. They might try and front run us and, and get on half an hour early so they get the audience, but uh, people generally leave that uh, eight eight a.m. EST slot, and of course the West Coast are not even up, right? They're like three hours behind, yeah. There, there is no morning show like this anywhere. I, if, I, if I was living on the West Coast, I think I would have to occasionally wake up early for this show. I did it by accident. Yeah, I remember that. I remember the first time Sheldon came in, man, and he just had like the best jazz music going in the background when it was, and he didn't put himself on mute. So we were just cracking on, and all you can hear is this like beautiful little proper background music, like if you in an elevator or something. That was a great space, that. When you oh, came I over, love jazz. Yeah, well, what jazz do we listen to? Yeah, yeah. What jazz do we listen to, Sheldon? Well, realistically, it was supposed to be like Muzak. I don't know if you know what that means. I know exactly what it means, and I fucking love that shit. Yes. So that's the idea: is that I found this um, YouTube streaming channel that is just these guys, and it's just their work, and they're just happy to have people watching, and they're like, "Hey, please support us at this website. You know, donate if you like our jams." Because it's just like really long gems that are looped and you know played over many hours, right? So it was just stuff that I had running in the background, like in the house infinitely, because me and my roommate had and X had kind of gotten used to that. You know, that was just an easier way of having you know instead of dead air in the house, and then something I was like, "Oh yeah, no, it, it must maybe it's a little coffee shop in here." So, um, I think the the thing I should mention though is because there's other people who play background music and who try to like you know put a speaker up to their phone and blah blah blah. I think the reason it sounded so nice is because I always buy sound bars that have like very specific configurations for uh, driver layout and phase. So it actually like envelops the room really well without an echo, but it's still like pretty warm and makes it sound like you know tiny desk concert ish. So. I think that's that's the timbre you're talking about. That's the the sort of like quality of the quality of the tone that that uh, that Robo liked so much. I'm I'm worried I'm not going to be able to reproduce it without being in my living room. <laughs> don't worry about it, man. But like this mosaic, you know, it's it's designed to make you very comfortable and relaxed and just consume more products. Yes, everything is fine. Just enjoy. Exactly, exactly. I fucking love it. But yeah, I think it's time to wrap up this space, man. We're sure. not far away, but be correct. Yep, guys, remember. Oh, hey, actually, sisters. wait, no. Give, 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 uh, uh, give old homie a chance. Homie, you want to throw a tomato? I'm, I'm, I'm loopy like I haven't been in a while. I'm sleep deprived. You did ask to come up. Like, realistically, if you want to poke and prod, this is, this is the reason I, I came on all messed up instead of trying to reschedule. Is like, hey, 
Gimme. What do, what do you got? Anything? Jabs at octopus something? Because I'm, I'm used to them. We've got five minutes left, exactly. There okay. you go. You've got five minutes, crew. Come on, buddy. Okay. Jump up. Okay. No, just a quiet duck. Okay, well, quit pointing that gun at my friend. It looks like you're pointing that gun. Come on, home player. Well, I I came up when B said that it was just chat at that point, oh. and then Sheldon well, yeah. still went on the Gigabrain stuff, so that I kept myself shut up because I was just gonna jump in and chime in on what Bruce was saying and say like, you'll never feel like such a pleb in your life as when you walk into the Dutch sandwich shop. And they serve you the open face sandwich and you're an American, you know, 20 something and you have never experienced this in your life. And you're supposed to eat it with a fork and a knife or something. I don't know. And you'll yeah, never you know the experience of feeling like a pleb until something like that happens. So, Brucey, I know it. And uh, the sandwiches are top notch. Right. It's a whole different game, man. But I. Talking about the Americans and the open face sandwich. So I have a friend of mine who have who is a very highly educated chef within this fucking niche of open face sandwiches, right? She won prizes and everything. And he, she has a little cafe where she she serves a different, very, very, very limited. Uh, uh, I can't talk right now, man. Variety of these open face sandwiches. And one of them is something called chicken salad. And it's it's just homemade mayos, mayo and chicken all stirred up, right? And it's just really greasy. And I've seen fucking tourists pick this up with their hands and just fucking mush their fingers down in the fucking chicken salad and eat it like a normal sandwich. And I'm baffled every time I witness this. So baffled. And it's so weird, but people, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> You're right, my guy. I, I forgot that the sandwich thing is normal. Like I knew that. I, I mean, this is this is a weird space. It's just like Robo's trash. I'm I'm the mess. I'm like, oh man, this this has been fun. Holy fuck, bro! It's one of the fucking best big brain spaces I think we've had there recently. Normally they just turn into absolute carnage and chaos and that. Like, and uh, I know for a fact people sitting down in the audience, there's people at work in the Fiat mine and shit, right, grinding away, and they're just like with this in the background, like listening, happy that I do know. Yeah, man, thank you for the day. Thank you for the day. You know, Sheldon, we really do appreciate. Like, it was a, a very, very good entertaining night like dude i wish i wish i could have been a bit more compass mentors but man i can be excused once in my life you know it's been a it's been a heavy couple of weeks with these shows brucey right it has but it's nice it's enjoyable man i like it oh, i'm just says I, got, bruce, I got two, two weeks in the game says bruce he's like two weeks in the game and he's like stretching and flexing on me he's like what you <laughs> try try 12 months of this bruce Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah, man. I'm also unemployed, so I have so fucking much time on my head. Yeah, but I got a month to find a real job, but until then, you definitely got me 24-7. That's the most Dutch 15 seconds you've said anything this whole show. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, um... Bro, telling you, rough fucking day to day at the work as well, you know. I only work a couple of days a week and at the work a day. Oh, my goodness, me. I was like looking at myself in the mirror like this morning at like quarter past eight, just thinking, what are you doing with your life? Just shaking my head, looking at myself like, my fucking God. But I got there. FYI, I'm Danish, not Dutch. 
Oh shit! Sorry, gray matter coming out of my ears. My bad. Oh, amazing! <laughs> Don't worry, bro. Don't worry. So good, that. Right, Brucey. Yep, it's a shame we lost Bay Bands, but uh, yeah, woman's got to go and work out. She's got to flex, you know. Yeah, 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 man. She got to keep that husband of her in check, man. She got to keep the dominance, the pants. Uh, exactly, exactly. And uh, there's our uh, two two grafters, our two artists down underneath there. You can see I'm Bido, I'm there, Brasco in the listener section. Shout out, lads. Look at those PFPs, man. The 16-bit racks are beautiful, aren't they? I'm going to have to show uh, the one off that I got off Bruce because it's legit as fuck. Like, I just uh, was, was giving him a few days before I bring out the flag of glory for him. But, uh, yeah, man. Oh, look, Starlight's popping in again as well. He's becoming a, a regular, isn't Starlight, he? Starlight, Straylight, goddammit. Straylight, Straylight, that's the one, see? I told you I was hungover. Anyway, Sheldon, no. I'm yeah. just going to say, I, I'm going to ask Bruce if he wants to say anything, but uh, just I hope you don't get, like, run over out there uh, in Bali. Make sure you get yourself a full-face helmet, because, like, I would feel far more secure if you did. The the ratio of what I know, a full a full like, a full like face helmet, is gonna save your life, right? Trust me. You're you're not wrong. <clears throat> you you haven't seen how I treat this husk of a of a creature, but yes, I promise you, I will work on getting a helmet because regardless of my twenty somethings childhood gallivanting, I should protect my brain. Remember, I, I had a uh, I had like a three hundred and fifty bath like at the time, whatever twelve dollar hat on, right? A uh, hat motorcycle helmet, now crashed. And it's split open like a watermelon. And I fractured my skull, right? You, trust me. You, the, if you're going to be, I mean, you said you might be moving or whatever, but if you are in a place for like long enough, if there are essentials, absolutely essential. I would never go any distance like without one, especially not on the Bali roads out, out of the like towns and that. Fuck that. Anyway, take care, dude. Thank That's you. all I want to say. Wear a helmet, right? Brucey, you want to say anything from? Yeah, I just want to say thank you so much, Sheldon, for coming on and sharing your thoughts and ideas and morals and values and everything, man, and your ankle scrapes. Really appreciate it. All of it. Always a pleasure, guys. Yes, That's mate, back. you've got some fucking great takes, like great <laughs> fucking takes. I'll be going back and listening to this because there was especially some stuff that I really want to do when, when you were talking about the security and that. But yeah, man. Hey, pop in on the uh, the open mic shows, uh, Sheldon, whenever you like. You know, the door's always there for you, brother, right? Always a pleasure. Right, guys, Cheers, last thing to say. Thank you very much to Sheldon and Bruce and Bebans. Thanks to you guys, right, popping in. Legends in the room. The NFT, soon as, like, Sisler gives the uh, the go-ahead, I believe, that the snapshot's been taken, we're going to drop uh, the first ever what exclusive one-on-one. Uh, like on chain properly, not like the Juno ones we've done. They were more like uh, minted for projects. Yeah, obviously there's no marketplaces or anything, but this is going on uh, Omniflix. We're going to drop it, and I just wanted to see it's our first one, right? Check this out, Ambedo. Three hundred and thirty-five signups we've had. That is fucking amazing. That I think. How good is that, Brucey? I fucking agree, man. It's the record, the record of this type of NFTs, right, in the whole space. No one has been able to claim so many on spaces. Oh, no. I don't know about that. Sister would know, right? Yeah. I don't know about like something like maybe Cosmoverse or something. I imagine they were pretty high, yeah. But nevertheless, it's still like Rack FM pushing forward. 
as long as like we can support like one another, right, in the way that we do, yeah, you with a hoster, and you know, I, I, I'm trying to get these business, like, these guys funding, like they're producing, like it's so fucking cool. Brasco's been knocking some amazing stuff out as well, right? Anyway, Every time, man. Yep, we we're gonna do ten NFTs, and then so it's gonna get mental. But we said we said we talked about this a bit last night, so I'm not gonna talk too much. But yeah, snapshot. Soon as he's uh, got in touch. And I'll let the team know, and then we'll drop it right to everybody, yeah? So, yeah, once again, guys, take care. We are back next week. This should be a mad show next week. Uh, we have got uh, Soy2 Studio uh, and uh, Jessica Duck Cosmos coming up, right? That's going to be a good show, I'm telling you. She's mad as a box of frogs, uh, so we should have some banter. And we've got the NFT roundtable coming up. And then what's the other one we've got, Brucey? Isn't there another oh, one? Oh, yeah, there's one more. I was looking at the schedule today, actually. Now I'm confused. I, what it is. I know there's the oh, NFT room table. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember what it is. What his name? His name is Will. Oh yeah, when, when Chen. Oh, how, how did I forget that? Oh, yeah. Sheldon, you want to listen in on that one? Will Chen, right? This week, uh, Wednesday. Uh, it'll be like Wednesday, uh, same time as like tonight. But if it was like eight PM for you, yeah, he's in Indonesia actually. I'll be, I'll be talking to him, yeah. So that guy's that should be brilliant. Yeah, yeah, that'll be like Wednesday night your time, like seven o'clock my time, seven pm. So, guys, listen, there's another fucking week of programming. You've got like three shows coming up that should be Felters NFT roundtable, all this great. But yeah, man, tune in, right? Turn on, tune in, and drop out, and I'll see you gangsters on the dark side. All right, take care, bye bye. See you, Scooter. It's the Rex show coming from the Rex store. With this back in the Mac in the back flow. Let's go, chillin' with raccoons by the back door Take all so you can stake more All I wanna do is making door right But I found this crew and doing alright We wreck real bitch, ready to fight So many raccoons ready for the boss life I might fly high like a kite, right? But always ready for a shite for the right price Raccoon supply has the right price Giving you respect if it's likewise So I'm buying all the mean guys with the clean heart Read between lies, laser beam through lean eyes Larry or with clean lies, trash mouth, mean smile Be wise, NFT wise, fuck with these guys It's the rack rap from the back lab 100 NFTs in my backpack Crazy rack rap from the stash app Rack will take a lead in this haystack It's the rack rap from the back lab 100 NFTs in my backpack Crazy rack pack from the stash app Rack will take a lead in this haystack Blast that rack rap from the stash app Supplying the raccoons with a headbang rap Rack gang with the rack will slang Like a trash can hoodie with fangs and a gold chain It's either rack will or the red pill Best chill while we get into the first meal Best pill, best devs with the best skill No shill, all real, secret is a great deal Rack will insane, Shane better stand fast Robo shooting his tweets with straight facts Knowledge from the streets, with the best plan yet Winston gotta eat if you retweet that Free of a life feed from the base camp McKenna always ready if you dare that Final raccoons for his rare stash Trash panda biker gang motherfucking hashtag It's the rack rap from the back lab 100 NFTs in my backpack Crazy rack rap from the stash app Rack will take a lead in this haystack It's the rack rap from the back lab 100 NFTs in my backpack
crazy rack back from the stash app Black will take a lead in this haystack Oh, look who's here. Finn's up out of bed as well. Grab that there, co-host Bruce. Why well, I share this, bro? No music today. I'm fucking way too ill for that, like. Robbo's hung over to fucking death, like, so I uh, didn't expect uh, big things today, fellas. All right? Hey, Bruce. Okay. Hey, man. We won't. We won't. <laughs> you were out on the piss yesterday, huh? Bro, you, why are you so quiet? Like, as in really fucking quiet there, like, yeah? You can't hear me? What? Hardly, so I don't know if it's just me or what, like, bro, but you are, like, incredibly uh, quiet. Okay, let me Can just try, try something. turning up or not? Let me try something. Be right back. No worries. I've just checked my volume. I'm up 100%, yeah? How's this? Nah, I wonder if it's me getting rugged one minute. Just getting the pre-spaces buggies out the way. La, 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 la. How do I sound? Beautiful. Wow, guys, what's going on? I've got an insane volume problem. You're, like, I can hardly hear you guys. Shit, we've got to get you an iPhone. I hate saying that out loud. No, but wait a minute, I'm going to take out the, I'm going to take this out one second. Right, Bruce, I've just took the mic. One, two, one, two, one, two. Test, check, Robo. Sheldon, Sheldon is a bitch. Sheldon is a bitch. Test, test. Sheldon is a bitch. Sheldon is a bitch. Test, what test. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a test. You can say whatever you want, guy. <laughs> right? It's just a test, man. Bro, there you go. That was that was Twitter. How mad is that? Like literally, I, I, I logged out of Twitter twice, and then the volume went up. Fucking bizarre. That like, that's dumb. Yeah, it does dumb shit to your drivers. I had to drop twice to come back just to get my headset to kick in. Man, this I'm telling you. Ever since this Exynos vulnerability where everybody's phone stopped working, everything's been. But hey, that's spaces for you. We're we're still here for the foot traffic. Oh, bro, I'm fucking sick of it because I believe it's costing us our like listenership. You know, people are like don't want to come back until it's fixed. You know. Well, hey, you still know a network engineer, so from a network and uh, audio perspective, because I did audio engineering also, you know, we'll we'll get you set up. I don't care if we have to go full Apple nonsense. Like if you're if you're running a uh, you know Spaces channel, if you're running things like Rack FM, then I support it, man. I, I love Rack FM. I'll put money into it. But what about what about this, the sound setup tonight? I mean, this is pretty decent tonight. This is all right, yeah. Yeah, this is okay, Bruce. What do you think? The sound? Yeah, that's good. That's okay. Like Robo, you always like. We don't know, man. You, you. I don't know what's up with your sound, but I think it's good today. When 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 I met Robo, that was the characteristic: is that his mic always clipped all the time because he was just a delightful madman. That was like part of your character, bro. Like I'm I'm not mad at it at all. I mean, I I hear you because now Rack FM is uh, glowing and and progressing and and everything. But still, I think this is this is significantly better than that. This is higher bit rate than that. Oh, I'm so I'm fucking dying over here, man. A delightful <laughs> madman. Like I've never like those two words together. I've never in my life. <laughs> I'm a poet, I know it. I tell you what though, Sheldon, I do have a bit of a confession to make today. Oh, he's being bands. Excellent. I do have a bit of a confession though, bro. I am fucking so hungover today. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like Yo, holy fuck. Our man. time of the month must be syncing up or something because I've been getting sick since last night and I don't know why I haven't been drinking. But to be fair, I smoked one Cretec the other day because I was stressed out. It was a really full day. I was sleep deprived. I had a bunch of stuff to do. Yeah, I feel like garbage, dude, man. Yeah, I feel like garbage. It's okay. What's a critic? What's that? Uh, you might know Jarum Blacks. It's a it's a tobacco cigarette with clove in it. You know this one? 
Correct, yeah. Never heard of it. Yeah, the Masklov cigarettes are massive, like in uh, many parts of Asia, but Indonesia, they're absolutely obsessed with them over there. Yeah, every, everywhere smells like them. And it's it's like, honestly, in the picture, that's the cigarette I'm smoking. I know that it's a regular ass cigarette in my bad kid PFP. But when I started smoking as a youngin, that's honestly what I was picking up was spiced tobacco cigarettes. I liked them. So I was, you know, just making dumb decisions and said, hey, let's see what the quality is like here. I haven't had one of these in a decade. You know, let's see what it's like. Well, that's what you get when you treat your body like a fun house. So, yeah, I think I'll be better. I don't even think I could smell one of those things right now. I think if I even smell a clothes cigarette, I'll puke all over the place. Like it's like burning carpet, right? I've got no idea how I got through today, man. At five, I just literally laid down and I've just got up at like six forty. I literally just went straight to sleep at five a.m. Just got up. I did. Anyway. I did three a.m. to uh, four or seven a.m. twice this week. I haven't done it this morning. I got I got a few more hours this morning, but I was supposed to go to sleep after some meetings this morning, and there's stuff to do. So, man, I feel you. I'm I'm hurting. Barley's infectious like that, though. Bar- I mean, we'll talk about Barley in a minute. But Barley's like uh, Barley's got no chill. You can be up around three, four, five, six, seven at night, and it's like it's normal fucking day. Pretty much. Yes. Oh, my dinner just arrived. I'm awesome. I got that. All right, dude. We're going to do the intro. You've got time, Sheldon, because we do like a little intro and stuff. Yeah. Yes, we we definitely have time. I will not slurp on the call. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. You'll get your dinner. You'll get your dinner soon. Go on. (laughs) Right. Let's give me a chance to shut up. Let's say a quick good morning. Let's say a quick good morning to B-Bands and then we'll do the intro. Because I was hoping Finn might have joined us, but he's maybe... Don't know if he's gone back to bed or whether he's like, ah, fuck off. I don't know, but we'll find out. So good morning, Bieber. That was so funny yesterday on that that call that I was listening to, the white whale, when you <laughs> came on. Oh my God. I, w- I, I, I just I stayed listening to the rest of it and I was just dying laughing. Oh my God, you're hilarious. You're <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing on calls at like 3 a.m., but that's like, that's got to stop. Like, people's got to stop me, I'm telling you. You're like, bro, what do I got to do to get a three-second time? He's like, well, can I go make some tea or some shit? Oh, my God. He's like, when, when, I'm on a, when I'm on a boat sitting in your boxer shorts, fucking watching the raccoon pull the slot, like what you're doing with your life, like it gives you too much time to think like what you're doing. Oh, God. Just take my devices away from me. That's all I'm saying, people. All right, Bruce? Bruce is responsible. Like, I'll, I'll come, bro. I'll come. I'll fucking fight you. I'll fight you for the devices. I'll fight you, dogs. I'll hey, why do you think I keep trying to give him an iPhone? My you know? I'm, I'm going to give him an iPhone and lock it down. We'll, we'll make that a managed device. But Sheldon, Sheldon, the first thing oh he's going to do when he gets that iPhone. Be, how much fun funny. would it be to have like to give Ro- Robo a managed device and just kind of like cut the Wi-Fi when he's not behaving himself and shit? <laughs> wow, oh, come on, no, hey. <laughs> you, you you still have to have access to the device. So there there are some limitations, right? But it's all application layer. So, you know, the the idea that he would get locked into spaces is more appealing to me than the idea that he would get locked out. Because I could totally imagine this, you know, being put in his pocket and it's like, ah, fuck this, then pick us up like an hour later. I could totally play with you like that, Robert. I could imagine that. But still, no, we like sovereignty here. Managed devices are, are not the culture of Rack FM. It's fun to think about, but no, it's not the culture. Bro, do you know what they did, man? I fell asleep on a space, right, a few weeks ago, man, and they all just left and left it on all night. I woke up the next morning. Literally, I just came into that. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that. That was funny, man. I was like, man, it finally happened, you clubhouse style, bro. It was you and, like, yeah. two other people just snapping. 
bro, talk about like proper being showed up in public. There's nothing worse than being like Billy No Friends, like running your space like for fucking six hours and nobody comes. That's embarrassing. That like, never mind. Do it for the culture, right? I, and I saw you napping. I and I creeped out. I said, "Oh, he's sleeping," and I walked out. Oh, that's so bad. And I was it calling was like Rama. I was calling like Rama for it as well. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Afterwards, just pure, pure cringy regret, you know. Uh, right, guys, we've got a bit of a room. Uh, normally, I'd put the music on until people came in, but I've got a bit of a hangover today. So what we'll do is we'll jump into the intro because we need to keep Finn's uh, programming. And he's, you know what he's like. He wants consistency, especially on the Friday show. So let's kick it off, everybody, yeah? <clears throat> Terror spaces. <laughs> 